Hello everyone and welcome to BXB's Bits and Bobs episode 30. I feel like that's an anniversary of sorts, don't you guys? That's like a nice round number we can celebrate as a milestone. Woo, party episode 30. And with me today for episode 30's big party, we've got Hometowns editor, Joel. Hometowns editor. I think I've just been demoted live on air. I don't. Busted. Yeah. <laughs> Well, if I can promote you live on air, I can demote your ass live on air, Joel. That's just the way it is. It's been a bad week for me this week, then. <laughs> <laughs> you hear his voice there in the background. That's Richard, Reviews Editor. Yo, yo, yo. Ho, ho, ho. I'm trying to say something that sounds like proper street and rad. <laughs> like I'm I, not cool enough for it. Do you know, <laughs> good point. I just... I'm so shocked by how gangster you are. I don't know how to respond. <laughs> That's just like I'm, I'm just envisioning you drive-bys, just like home invasion. You're just a you know messed up gangster doing what's got to be done for your hood. Blood in, blood out, brother. I'm still I've still got it with the youth. I've still got wrestling t-shirts on. Is that Daniel? It's Daniel Bryan. Like he can't wrestle because he's got a concussion. That's not that cool. Well, it's just not that cool. I'm down with the youth, but I'm also mature enough to show gratitude to retired wrestlers. So it is my Daniel Bryan thank you t-shirt. Oh, very, very good. Like, Joel, the Joel. Daniel Bryan Memorial shirt, is it? <laughs> He's uh, not dead. Yeah, well, I know, yeah, his, his career, I'm guessing, is wrestling-wise. Well, he, it's, it's an, interesting, an interesting story, Richard. Did you hear about the developments around that this week, actually? That the, the, that the rumor is he's going back to the indies because he, he basically told spoke a lot about the bullshit reason wwe didn't let him back on wouldn't clear him because uh they got some basically like doctor nobody respected to say you know you're not fit to wrestle even though he had like 15 others doctors say he, he was so he's going to the indies and he's probably going to go uh new japan or something like that and uh probably in two years time be back wrestling for uh WWE. That seems to be how that works. So, so like the uh, modern age story, like the, the new gladiator story for the modern age. The, the, <laughs> the sort of guy who was up there as the general now 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 finds himself working his way back up the ladder, trying to win the crowd. No, I'm sure. Yeah. Like if you like, I like the, I like Joel's. I don't watch wrestling outside take on the wrestling bullshit we sometimes talk about. <laughs> I I always find, <laughs> find that entertaining. I mean, you put SummerSlam down, Richard. I've only watched about half of it. Um, so I, I've got up to Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins match. I watched that. It's been pretty good so far. But don't don't. I've actually somehow, Richard. I kid you not. I have somehow avoided the result of the Fatal Four Way. Oh, well so done. I don't actually know what's going to happen. Well, um, have you got yeah, any predictions? I, I Brock. But like, it's all, I always you know, always bet on Brock. I suppose is a safe one. But considering it's been given like five star ratings by a lot of people, I, su I suspect it will be a surprise. It's a but um, mm, I'm looking forward to it. Sadly, match. I think ne next on the card, I've got Shinsuke and Jinder, and I really couldn't care less. Which might be why I haven't watched any. Um, yeah, that's mm, kind of mm. it's, it's kind of okay. You know, you get some value out of Shinsuke, but the modern the modern Maharaja. Jinder Mahal against um, a guy who thinks he's Freddie Mercury, uh, and yet Japanese. <laughs> so, cool. Yeah. Uh, I think we've all watched a bunch of movies, though. I, I, I'm up to talk about some of this stuff. You guys, uh, I can't remember. If I, did I talk about Atomic Blonde last time? No. No. Have you guys seen it? No. No. I, you, right, you've seen John Wick, though, yeah? You know, you've seen John yeah. Wick, right? So the director of John Wick uh, didn't do John Wick 2. He went and did Atomic Blonde instead. And it, it oh, is, I didn't realize it was the same director. It's yeah. right. So that means imagine, you know, brilliant, visceral action. But mm. beyond that, it's a rarity in Hollywood because it's a female led 
action movie and it's not like just tits and ass tits and ass it's actually it doesn't matter that this is a woman in the lead role as we saw from Charlize Theron as Furiosa in Mad Max she yep. brings she brings a, a charisma and a gravitas to her roles without just smiling down the camera and showing off her tits which is what you'd get from so many uh female leads in Hollywood it is truly I think a watershed moment and I really hope Hollywood with this and with Wonder Woman acknowledges the fact that women can lead these films and they, and it doesn't matter what gender they are. It just matters that they're good in the role and they can act. And Charlize Theron is fan-fucking-tastic. This is one of the best films I've seen this year. I mean, beyond just the action, it's a great spry, a spy thriller. It's got an amazing sense of place in the, night, the late 80s where the Berlin Wall was falling in Germany. And it's all set around that week that the Berlin oh, Wall was brought cool. down. And it's absolutely fabulous. Like, I, I love every moment. They, they named there's a moment actually it's not much of a spoiler but they're in a bar and you hear us like paparazzi and photo, uh, photography outside and you're like and one of the characters said oh Hasselhoff's in town right now <laughs> it's like, it was a really fun little got throwaway got moment throw that in, really. yeah yeah exactly but you know it feels and James McAvoy is brilliant in it as well and as a, as a proper spy thriller of the 80s there's double triple quadruple crosses and it's just like you just yeah it keeps you guessing right into the end and it's got a great ending and yeah I can't praise the direction of this movie or Charlie Theron's performance enough. You know, it's one of those things where I turned to my wife and we were talking about this afterwards and it's like, well, what do you always see from film, from women in films? And more importantly, what are women always expected to do in society? And it's, and it's smile, right? Everybody's always expects a pretty lady to be smiling. And Charlie's Theron doesn't crack a smile for almost the entire film. And you, and it's, because it's that's not what she needs to do to lead this movie. She's not relying on her looks. Though her sexuality and her beauty isn't ignored, it isn't the focus of the film. And you kind of see, need to see it to see what I mean, but hmm. it's truly impressive. And I, I absolutely fucking loved it. Like, it was so, so cool. And also the action is, the action is amazing and she does most of her own stunts and it's, and you can tell. And it, she's just brilliant. Like You seem to like this brilliant. more than anyone I've heard speak about it before, so interesting okay yeah. i thought it got really good critical response but well, i don't think it's been derided as such but um yeah there, there have been people that have said what well, they thought they were going into john wick and it's not really that no it's better yeah. i mean john wick is john wick is a superhero origin story and john wick 2 is massively disappointing compared to john wick 1 i thought but it, it's pretty basic john wick it's not there isn't any real kind of narrative meat to it it's just really good action like a video game yeah. uh, and there's nothing wrong with that but atomic blonde wants to be more and succeeds in being more oh, um cool. i really i really i really enjoyed it man. i know you go and see a lot of films richard i know you and your, your wife do it and i think your wife would could really dig it like i, I think it's a a really interesting movie like really really good um it's interesting in 2017 though isn't it like you brought up wonder woman and yeah it does feel like a progressive year for cinema yeah, even when James Cameron's saying the, the Nazis are back and all this, it's, yeah, well, <laughs> it's, it's strange, isn't it? Strange even when James Cameron turn, turns to Patty Jenkins, director of Wonder Woman on the internet, and basically says, oh, no, I, I thought it was actually a step back for female representation in films, because really all you did was just sexualize her. Uh, and Patty Jenkins was like, are you, are you, are you fucking tripping, Jim? <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> fucking moron. Like, who who says you get to decide what what is a strong woman? Because he starts spouting off about Linda Hamilton, uh, you know Sarah Connor, and all this stuff, and I'm like, and he's like, oh, I actually did strong women first, you know, and I would know because I'm a proper man director. Let me just mansplain how directing works. <laughs> you fucking cocksucker. 
And I used to like James Cameron. And I was a bit, I was just like, oh, mate, don't, don't die on that hill. I'll kick that one. <laughs> Jesus, you fucking moron. It's a woman directing a film starring a woman. You can't, f don't fight that battle. You fucking moron. Jesus. Oh, it, uh, mm. Anyway, I also saw Baywatch. <laughs> Talking about Hasselhoff. You guys well, seen the new Baywatch? No. no that's, that's a choice, isn't it? Watching <laughs> Baywatch. <laughs> you know what? It's fine. How did you find Baywatch? It was fine. It was mm. stupid. Like, what's weird about it is it's massively self-aware. I, um, I, I like... heard this. This is another one that <laughs> turns the feminist thing around on its head. Uh, it's um, kinda. Has it got more? I heard it's got mm. more male nudity than any sort of focus on the female form whatsoever. Oh That's no, what it uh, is. It, the, I suppose so. But the the thing that sort of stood out to me was how. They they straight up say, oh, we're Baywatch. We're like we investigate crimes and like you know we we, we save the sea. Whatever needs to be taken, you know we're, we're we're like the we're like the modern day Atlanteans. We're here to protect the oceans and protect people's access to it. And everybody else is like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You're lifeguards. You just sort of get people out of the water. What are you? What's why do you keep thinking you're more than that? And it, they call them on it constantly, and it and it's kind of amusing for that. Like the police are like, no, you don't you don't have jurisdiction. Yeah. You're a lifeguard. You that's jump. Funny. What do you, what's wrong with you? Like I never, I never watched Baywatch Nights, but that was the idea, wasn't it? That Hasselhoff was lifeguard by day, but then he could be a detective <laughs> or some some shit. I don't know. I think. I mean, if you watch if you watch Baywatch in the nineties and you grew up on that shit like I did, there there is definitely some nostalgia that you can you can enjoy the movie from. You know, it's not a good film, but it's not terrible, and it. Mm. And it's doing what it does, and it's fine, and, and it's the rock, fuck's sake, you know. And and Zac Efron, they're eminently watchable people, you know, and lots yeah. of pretty ladies, and you know, cliched nerd characters to to laugh at, and really stupid shit, and just lots of swearing, weirdly as well. They drop the f bomb constantly through this movie, which kind of surprised me. Um, and the Hoff's in there as well with a cameo or two. So it, of course he's got to be. Why, why not? On Netflix list whenever that pops up, which I'm sure won't be long. I wouldn't have thought so. Talking about, look, you just segued for me there with Netflix. Into Defenders? S yeah. I'm so, I know I'm sort of starting off with a diatribe here, and I will let you guys talk. I promise. But um, have you guys watched The Defenders? No, you need to no, be careful with spoilers on this. because. <clears throat> oh, I'm not going to spoil it. I'm, I'm not so going to spoil behind. it. I'm halfway through Jessica Jones. Guys, just just don't waste, <laughs> don't waste your precious time. It's one of the really? worst things I've ever seen. It's the most boring, badly made, badly acted just make weirdly cheap like what? it feels like they didn't spend any money on it except maybe Sigourney Weaver which I suspect is where all the budget budget went was to get mm -hmm. her to be in it um but it's really it takes the two worst bits from the Marvel stuff on Netflix which is season two of Daredevil and Iron Fist and then makes the whole thing about those two bits um uh... and it's just fucking terrible and I got all the way through to the end of it there's like the revelation of what the big thing is, is garbage. The bad guys are terrible. The twists make no sense or a telegraph. The performance is bad. The only good thing is, is I like, you know, Mike Coulter as Luke Cage and Kristen Ritter as Jessica Jones are both very good. I think they're, they're the best things about what they've done in, the, in yeah. on Netflix. And they're still good. But the rest of it, my God, the guy, Danny Rand, is you just want him to die. Like, and, and it's the worst crime, though. The worst crime is that it is boring. That it is dull. 
Oh, and, and it's I, such a bummer. Like Daredevil started so well, right? Mm-hmm, I, I, mm-hmm. I loved the first series of that. And yep. Kind of stalled at Jessica Jones because, um, weirdly, the wife didn't like it. So I'm going to watch that on my own, I think. Well, it is all about sexual violence and men being scumbags to women. So it's kind of hard to watch um, Jessica Jones. Uh, well, yeah, but I, I don't know. I kind of figured, if you're a woman, you should like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, Jessica Jones is amazing. She's, she's the best thing about She's a breath of fresh air to the to the superhero genre because she's this hero that don't want to be a hero and she don't give no fucks. And it's just like, but she's really, she does. But she's got like this amazing steely exterior, which makes her um, captivating to watch. But uh, the, the old man, Iron Fist, just brings everything down. Uh, and so does another Daredevil character that I won't spoil because you haven't seen Daredevil season two. Uh, I'm still looking forward to the Punisher show because I don't. They'd have to do something drastic to fuck up Punisher because basically you just need to show this guy killing loads of mafia people, and yeah. as long as you do that, it will be good. Um, but yeah, with the man, the face is possible, so no acting yeah. required really. Yeah, ex- ex- exactly. But d- man, defenders, dude, just big tip: don't waste your time. Okay, just, just... that's a that's disappointing. That should be a centerpiece. Mm-hmm. Thanks. It was, it was eight hours of my life I'll never get back. And, you know, I love Marvel stuff. Like, I like Thor The Dark World, for Christ's sake, you know? I actually quite like that movie. And it's just like, man, that was so bad for me to just sit there and be like, I, I just I just stopped halfway through, but the wife wanted to finish it. So it was kind of like we, we powered through. But... Got to help the wife finish. <laughs> Normally that's my job, Richard, the disgusting, smutty jokes. So, you know, bravo to you. <laughs> on that one um does somebody else want to talk for a bit like <laughs> i want joel to talk about how amazing the fast and the furious is fast of the furious or the, the new know, fast and the furious the, the, fate, the, fate, the fate, fate of the furious but which, it's not called that know, so it's yeah, what, yeah yeah what what number of the film I, i've lost track of what number we're up to i think is it eight, eight yes yeah. it rhymes with fate right yep <clears throat> eight yep so yeah, we, I, I sat down and watched this with my wife. Um, yeah, I re- yeah, I really liked it. it yeah. you know, it's just the action sequences just managed to get more and more like ludicrous, but they're just so thrillingly funny to watch. I, I, I don't know why. I, I just, it's normally I'd sit and kind of bash a film for this kind of stuff potentially, but this thing's just so outlandish. You can only just like sit down and enjoy it. And uh, the stunt sequences. Uh, yeah, yeah the, there's a bit at the start with the, where he races this guy and his car's on oh, fire yeah, and stuff. And, like, within the first five minutes, I've just, like, got a grin, like, going from, like, the left to the right. My face massive. I, I, you know, I'm like, yeah, I sat down with the wife. I really, really liked it. Yeah. Uh, the story is just, like, yeah, awful, I would probably argue, but they always are. But you don't really watch these for their, for their mm-hmm. sort of deep narrative plot and, and ah, this is just yeah remote control cars in new york anyone i yeah. mean like what i mean submarines i mean yeah, the submarine bit at the end is just like it's just, you just can't, I, I, they're gonna have to take it to space soon because they are running out of the things <laughs> to do on the earth now this is it's just brilliant uh so yeah like i really enjoyed it combining two of the films i talked about because you've got the rock in there and charlie's theron hmm. So in, in that movie together, uh, though they don't ever share a scene together, but yeah, yeah. Um, although maybe they, no, they do, don't they? Well, they do, they do. There are, there are a couple, I would say, yeah, but they're, yeah. they're together. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, that's the, that's the thing that sometimes surprises me about Charlize Theron. She can do, she go over here and do a film and get an Oscar and then be Cypher in The Fate of the Furious, <laughs> which is this barely a role. 
Like the fact that her name is Cypher, mm. I think it could also be Avatar or Homunculi <laughs> for what she does. You know, it, she's in that film. She basically is just saying words on a script. Like it's really? it's so fucking Absolutely. funny. Like you know, she can go from that to to winning an Oscar in Monster and stuff like that. It's just I love I, lo- I love an actor that can just be like, I want to get paid. I'd like a new house. Mm. I think that would be nice. <laughs> I'll be in your film. I was I respect that. You know, in a capitalist society. But uh, you also saw Alien because I watched that as well recently. Um, yeah. So I sat down and uh, sat down with the wife and watched Alien Covenant. Um, if, to be to be honest, it was kind of like I've never seen a film. Uh, the it was like watching a documentary about Prometheus because it was literally just like this whole <laughs> film was just trying to explain everything from Prometheus and then I, I sort of finished and I was just like what was this film actually about Hold on, I've kind of lost a little bit here because they spent so much time sort of explaining the past film that all I felt like is now I understand Prometheus but <laughs> there wasn't actually a film here so what did you think yeah. Have you it's seen it as well? It's Rich? one of those that yeah. it, it kind of answers the questions that you never needed answered about Alien. Doesn't yeah. It? It's like, oh, oh, I, 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 I like. All right, up. right. We've all seen it, yeah. Right, all right. Spoilers yeah. for Alien Covenant coming up. Right, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm. We might as well. I'll give the warning. I, I enjoyed the revelation that David created Xenomorphs. I did. I, yeah. I, I did kind of dug that. I mean, I, like you said, I didn't need it, but at the same time, we know the colony he's going to is now going to be where basically xenomorphs come from, because yeah. he's going to use all the colonists. And that in that third act reveal that was so obvious and yet so weirdly handled that it was David all along uh, was just like cool. And I was like, I was rooting for him. I was like, yes, because I want more fucking aliens. That's, I don't want to see any of these people survive because I don't care about any of them except maybe Danny McBride's character who I quite liked. And and yes, br- give us fucking Xenomorphs. Loads of them. Queens. Bring it on. Well done, David. I, I applauded at the end of that film. I was happy that he, <laughs> the evil, he's so mustachioed twirly, isn't he, in that? I mean, he's just... <laughs> <laughs> also doesn't it say a lot that the best scenes in that film there's two amazing scenes in that film and they're both just michael fassbender talking to himself, himself yeah <laughs> and it's just like basically that i mean that guy is an amazing actor like and the fact that he can the best scenes of a whole movie will just be him and amazing amazing double work and cgi and split screen or whatever however they do that uh, fantastic that you really believe those two people are in the room together at the same time and it's just the same actor did you think it was a bit over the top though I and mean, there's bits of that that are clearly there just to show like, how good their tech is for blending those scenes together like where they're handing stuff to each other and uh, well other. i don't that's really yeah. tricky isn't it i mean ridley scott ridley scott is a very good director um i don't feel like he would personally make a scene that he didn't think was for storytelling reasons. Um, I think the scene is fine. It's just some of, some of the interactions feel like they're put in there just I to feel, sort of prove that they can achieve I, it. I think it's a chicken and egg thing. I think he would have gone to the tech people, like the special effects guys, can we do this? Can we do this convincingly You know, at a cost that makes sense? <laughs> and if so, I'm going to keep the scene in. I think, you know? I think their, their entire brief was, can we get Michael Fassbender to kiss himself? <laughs> which they did more importantly <laughs> more importantly can we get them can we get fast better performance where you actually want to see that and it's just like <laughs> yeah. yes we can because that man yeah. is brilliant 
Like he's genuinely one of the best actors yeah, working he is, today. He is superb. Um, I just feel sorry for Michael Fassbender. That man is never masturbating with his eyes closed. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh dear. Yeah. I just want to throw a weird curveball out while we're doing the film segment at the end here. Um, I saw that new King Arthur movie as well. <laughs> and um, the, the guy Richie King Arthur movie. And I didn't think I was going to like it. Uh, and after the first sort of, sort of system shock, the first 20 minutes of King Arthur's a geezer and he's out on the street and he's like a gangster. Once you get over that and just go with it, the idea that Guy Ritchie has made a fantasy gangster movie, <laughs> which is no what sense. this is, it makes no <laughs> sense. It doesn't. But once you kind of just let it flow over you and there's Jude Law is the baddie king and he's just sat there like, yeah, just go and get, sort it out, you fucking mugs. <laughs> and it's just like once you like just once you kind of just go with it it's really good like it if you like if you enjoy your fantasy video games there's a lot like the boss battle at the end of this is a blue ice guy against a red fire guy and they have a massive fight in a like they're literally teleported to the end level which is this completely different location to the rest of the film to have an epic confrontation. And the whole, the whole thing is like, you can see this more and more in films now, don't you? The video game inspiration aiming at certain audiences. And this one is squarely doing that and it does it very well. And it looks really pretty. And I like Charlie Hunnam in the lead role. I think he's a lot of fun and he knows the material he's working with and he knows he's like going for it, you know? And the fact that King Arthur has a little gang of dudes that help him out and they're all like East Londoners, and they all talk with a deep, thick Cockney accent. And it's just like, this is the... Cr and it, it, there's even large portions of the film set in Londinium, right? Roman Londinium, because it's London. So let's just make it as gangster as possible. And it's just like, this is brilliant. It's so fucking dumb. It's so fucking dumb. It's, it just... I enjoyed myself immensely would, would like, you recommend it because I, i've noticed that's now up for rent um on amazon yeah, Prime video as i glanced over it and i was curious yeah it's like, give it a go because it's it's really freaking stupid but it's it knows the material i think whereas you know when he did his sherlock holmes movies and i felt like he was trying to break away from his formula and it, in especially in that second one it doesn't work as well in this he he basically takes Lockstock and smashes it into lord of the rings and it and it's 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 a genre that shouldn't make sense. And for the for the opening, it doesn't until you go with it, and then you're just swept along in this ridiculous journey. And all the performances are good, and everybody knows the film they're in. And and it, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> just trying to think of some mashup quotes now between Lord of the Rings and Lockstock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's Jesus. the final it's, scene with Frodo hanging off, trying to oh the, the guy's been asked to throw the ring away, so sort of trying to throw get, it, get it back. Yeah. Kano, you dozy cock <laughs> But you know, it's, it's just, oh, it's it's. I wouldn't say it was good, but it was enjoyable. Like you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah cool. Yeah. So. <laughs> okay, we're gonna get onto video games. Should we get onto video games? I don't know. I like I like not talking about video games sometimes. I feel like you know we me and Joel only recorded a podcast less than a week ago, didn't we? So we we did our we did our little special, and I guess we can use that to uh, to segue into some news. We yeah, we should, the, we should talk about games now. Yeah, all right. After after uh, Gamescom, after the Gamescom Xbox thing, uh, I saw Joel was online. I was going to do my own solo podcast. I hey Joel, do you want to join me? I, you watched it, didn't you? And he and, he, and you had. Uh, and we talked about the Xbox One X um, going up for pre order and stuff like that. So Richard, 
Mm. Because me and Joel have already discussed a lot of this, you know, and there's been some reactions from the wider internet as well in the last week. Where are you at with the Xbox One X? Well, as you would expect, totally in. <laughs> Pre-ordered? Pre-order, yes. Ma'am. Um, looking forward to it. I thought the Gamescom presentation was balls. Mm-hmm. Um, probably did more harm than anything. I'm not sure why they bothered. but I don't know. I, I think it's a messaging thing. I, I think they wanted to make things clearer for people and therefore reiterate what it was and what it would do a bit more. Do you feel that it did that? Because I felt it was quite muddled. I feel like they did. They talked <laughs> about, I mean, 4K mm. versions of old Connect games for kids. Really? Who's that? That was that was weird. Yeah, that was weird. I don't think yeah. anybody until that point had even thought about was it Zoo Tycoon in 4K? No, I'm excited. Excited. That was just was that a problem that ever needed solving? Well, <laughs> like, I... and at the end, they're like, don't worry, it will work with Connect. Yeah. Okay. Do you know what's what's weird about the Zoo the Zoo Tycoon thing is that there's been some developments uh, as the weeks progressed, and it sounds like it's a whole new release, and it won't be a free update if you already own Zoo Tycoon. Okay. Um, oh, is that right? They're actually doing work to the game, like removing the limit on the on the size of the zoo, so you don't have a limit on the anim- the amount of animals and stuff you can have. And that because they're putting work in, it's it sounds like they've not been very clear about it that that it, it will be a uh, a whole new release, so you have to buy it again. But maybe they'll they'll change their mind, like they like they're doing with Recore. And obviously, you know, I quoted I quoted your review of Recore in our podcast, Richard, because you weren't there um you know because the big deal is that they're they're doing this free update for it and it's going to be on game pass which is kind of good you quite you quite like what i said about recall but i know i remember i liked you gave it you gave it three out of five so what was the quote something along the lines of the core of the game was great but um everything kind of around it wasn't totally fitting but then they're they're re-releasing it now with some additional content aren't they which uh, i think supposed to tie up bits of the story i've not played recall Mm -hmm. but obviously this is the presentation they made it's it closes off some of the mysterious characters or something like that. Oh, right. Yeah, and it's going to look it's better. And odd, isn't it? I mean, there, there was a whole fifth robot that was on the box art, I think, but not actually in the game. Yeah, that's it's that's kind of... going to be in there. That's going to be in there. So basically, yeah, like you said, they've finished the game. <laughs> Which I think is kind of amusing that they they shipped it when it was clearly not done. Um, but yeah, Ooh, I mean, so no, no so, one's done that before. So can I? Uh, can, I'm going to one up both of your uh, Xbox One X pre-order stories and tell you I've pre-ordered two. You said you weren't going to do that. Why have you done that? Um, because I might replace both my current Xbox Ones for, for simplicity's sake. Simplicity. Well, as in having... I have a problem, to, Richard. I think, easier I think, than managing money. I think we're going to have to point out a flaw in your logic, though, Ben. Because <laughs> oh, to, get, to get the best value, that means you now have to buy two 4K TVs. Hmm. So you, you, you're sort of... Yeah, you, I mean, the you'd logic be better being, off buying one one X and one four K TV. The, the, the logic being, <laughs> the logic being, though, is that like you, I have an area I go to game for review purposes or for whatever things like that, you know. So I'm not bothering the wife. Um, and even though that area will only have the 1080 screen, um, I think I, you know, there's still a benefit from the horsepower, and I kind of want to be reviewing the games and looking at the games on in the best platform possible, basically, you know, with the best load times and you know looking at that oh. however there's an argument to be made it would make sense to also compare and contrast and look on the two different yeah see, I, I, I would fall into yeah. the latter camp there that mm. i think there's a lot of value now especially so considering you've got the pro and the non-pro playstation I as well get mm. two x's and keep an xbox one 
X S. Well. <laughs> so that's what that's what I'm hearing. Right? What are you doing to me? Why would you make me spend so much money? You God, you're such. A... Oh, I had to tell Leah about this. My wife, she's going to be very upset when when I tell her that you tell me I've got to do this for the site. Oh, it's disgusting. Oh. Um, you know, man, I, you're the manager for two weeks, and all of a sudden, <laughs> <your head. laughs> uh, not quite the manager yet, but we will see. Anyway, let's not let's not get onto that. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm we're hype. We, you know, it wasn't really. We don't need convincing, did we? We, us three, we never needed convincing about this. We were always going to. No, get it. I mean, I'd probably buy it even if there was no reason to. I'm that stupid about. <laughs> it. Some people would say there is no reason. That's... <laughs> well, quite. Yeah, yeah, but. Um... So let's talk yeah, see, see the stuff that's come out for it. Um, yeah. I think most notably this week is the comparison stuff for Tomb Raider, Rise of the Tomb Raider. Mm-hmm. Which... Eurogamer got hands on with, a, I think it was 10 different titles as well. And we're able to look at the, the improvements and we're actually really pleasantly surprised by how um, many of them were full 4K and not using just the checkerboard technique that they were expecting, which is what was yeah. being used on the PS4 Pro. Um, yeah, and with the PS4 Pro, I believe that has kind of a, a choice between a decent frame rate and uh, graphical uh, improvements. It's one or mm. the other. Xbox has both. So, yes. yeah, granted, it's an older game, but as a sort of showcase for what is possible, it sounds like what Microsoft have been talking about that they wanted to build a console that didn't compromise, that did 4K, 60 frames a second. And really push the envelope in graphical performance uh, as well. I get so tired, Richard, of people talking about fucking frame frames per second. I really, I just, I just don't care. I've never cared. That's pretty interesting. I'm not not a competitive shooter gamer. I'm not. I'm not looking to play, you know, fucking Battlefield One esport or something, and therefore think it's important that I have unlocked frames or 60 frame minimum or anything like that. I, I, I've just never given a shit. I've never seen frame rate mm. as a performance thing, like as a gameplay performance thing. It just looks nice. Doesn't it? it I, I don't, nice. I don't really notice the difference between 30 and 60 that much. I really don't. I don't, it doesn't like you, jump out. At me. You will, you, you should do. You <laughs> will. People say that, but I don't. It's no, like, you, if you, if you compare two videos of 30, yeah, but I'm not gonna. and then 60 that's next it. to each other. Yeah, yeah sure. Just, but no, sure, yeah, but, yes, but nobody does that. I like, think you need to compare it. Well, nobody the sits don't, there with it don't, like don't, that. It compares them. The point is you notice when the frame rate drips below, drops below a certain point And, yes. um, the thing, when the thing I think that breaks immersion. So if I think of a recent example, Rhyme on the Xbox had some bad stuttering frame yeah. rate issues. Yeah, sure, it was, sure, sure. It was you know, I would have rather they had toned down some of the graphical effects potentially mm-hmm. just to create a smooth base. 30, you know, 30 frames a second is fine. It's a nice baseline. But um, you notice when games stutter and that kind of breaks the immersion, I think. So that's why yeah, I but... think there is a, a, a large part of importance on the frame rate. I do like graphical no, fidelity. No, that's mm-hmm. different. Right, you're talking about a substandard frame rate when you're dropping to 10, 15, 20 frames, something like that, yeah? That is not the difference. We're not talking about that. Oh, but you just said you didn't care 30. about frame rate. No, no, I, figured, no, I figured you were no. happy with one frame a second. No, no, no. But no, you wanted no, to go no. back I to the N64 PlayStation. I am theory. talking <laughs> about the difference between 30 frames per second and 60 frames per second. I am talking about the obsession with people, usually the shooter crowd, when they're talking about competitive multiplayer, you know, the idea that, um, one platform's you know higher frame rate will improve their responsiveness and accuracy, etc., etc., etc. 
to me as a as predominantly a single player gamer anyway and when i do play multiplayer games i'm not playing them super competitively and i've never been that like that guy um maybe halo 2 maybe um but like and call of duty modern warfare the first one but since then i just i don't understand the obsession i'm not also that bothered about fidelity i'm not that bothered about uh 4k over 1080p for me the big improvements Jesus is going to be why are you, are you let me finish my sentence and i'll tell you load times load times um i mean i i like the idea of world density improvements as well and the improvements over draw distances these are things you will notice these are things that will immediately become apparent to you when you play one of the older games updated you know and it's going to load up a third of the time it took like for example a great example for me is i love the witcher can you like it's got really long protracted road times right so i'm hoping yeah. they're going to be cut down I'm hoping that you know draws distance will be improved when you're riding on uh, along on Roach. I'm hoping that they can't improve now the world density stuff because obviously that's something you would do at the development stage. Um, but you know things like that in Crackdown Three, we're going to see these dense open worlds like in Assassin's Creed Origins. They've been talking about the you know the fidelity that you're going to get from the immer the extra immersion that you'll have from worlds just being more full of shit, you know, in a realistic way. Mm -hmm. Those are things you're going to notice. I don't not the difference between 30 and 45 frames or whatever the technical perspective i'm not sure you will actually see much of an improvement to load times because well that's what they're touting going to be disk io so you know it's just going to be reading the stuff off the hard disk into memory which is well, the hard disk is better going to be well. very speed similar wise to the hard disk is meant to be quite one go, though, is the point though isn't it it won't have to shift stuff out of memory it's to make possibly Possibly. Um, the alternative, and the only other thing is a post-processing on the textures and the light maps and things once they are in memory to, to complete those calculations. So you know how you get pop-in sometimes where textures are sort of blurry initially and then they suddenly become quite detailed as the sort of graphics card is processing. Those kind of things I would imagine to ease up. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect anything dramatic in loading time improvements personally. At least I'm not. Uh, I mean, they're, they're, they're touting it. They're, they're saying the hard disk is, is a better one in the X. They, I forget they, the term they use. Like, If they put a solid-state drive in it, I'd be it's right behind them. But yeah, yeah it, it, it's gonna, we're going to be talking about it. I, I also think uh, HDR has more of an effect on visuals than 4K necessarily does. Um, and if we're going to get HDR-supported games as more common, as they, obviously they will become um, you know, on the, the higher-end hardware, I think that's going to be more of a visual uh, improvement than maybe just necessarily a higher resolution. Um, it's just going to be better all around. So, pre-orders. Mm. Fastest pre-selling Xbox ever. Um, no numbers, sold, sold out, yeah. no numbers now, of course. And I also find that they, they're using the term sold or, you know, selling. This is a pre-order, guys. Like, they can be cancelled. Can we, can we remember that? That you haven't sold anything yet. Most of them haven't taken payment. Most pre-orders don't take payment until near shipping. So that yeah. this isn't money in the bank. This is a number. Um, and I, I, you know, I think that's important to remember as well. Um, I, I mean, that's good. That's great. I mean, it sold out real quick. I think most, most retailers of the Scorpio edition um, quickly uh, snapped up in a few hours in most places. Uh, they've had second allocations at a few places as well. And there's also, from these statements that have just come out, there will be pre-orders made available for non-Scorpio editions of the console prior to launch. So you September, will be able to do that announcements well. in September. Yep. I don't put much credence in these stories, to be honest, because there are no numbers attached to it. Nope. And like you say, they've brought out a second phase of pre-orders already. 
they're just limiting it to what will sell out in a day or so because they don't want the, the press saying... I, I like the idea that the Scorpio edition is going to be properly limited. It's like the Nintendo approach to shipping right. stock, isn't it? No, no, no. I'm gonna, I'm gonna fight. It no, Joel, 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 no. It just isn't. The way Nintendo have handled the fucking SNES Mini is one of the most disgusting piles of bullshit I have seen in fucking a while. Considering what happened with the NES, the NES Mini, for them to then and say they weren't gonna do this, for them to then do exactly the same thing, is fucking gross and, and to be honest i'm glad i've not got pre-order because i am not going to buy one due to the way they treat it's their a, customers yeah it's a bit point. different this isn't there's many because they're kind of like just a limited production run uh but that's bullshit but that's bullshit though isn't it because they know there's demand it's just so they're, they're just manufacturing yeah. shortages and they're just handing it to the scouts oh sorry what i was trying to reference more is sort of the switch approach i guess when nintendo just don't want to end up with huge numbers of inventory or maybe they're just manufacturing capacity doesn't mean they can actually make that many of them so you know they they make you know it's not they like to have a situation when they launch where demand exceeds supply and so they yeah, can keep I the console will remain popular for like a year or two xbox have said so, they are going to make as many as they can as quickly as they can and I have no reason to not believe that. Yeah. Uh, whereas Nintendo actively lie to their consumers about how they handle co- uh, hardware. Uh, and the fact that you still can't easily buy a Switch is just bizarre to me. And it happened with the Wii, and it happened with the... Well, not with the Wii U, because nobody bought it. Um, but, you know, so it, I it's gonna, just... I was going to say with the Wii U, they're still sitting on stockpiles of components. Yeah. And yeah. That. So, so you know, they've been burned with that. I yeah. guess they're just being more sensible. No, but no, but they've got a history of it, Richard. They're not being sensible. They've got a history of treating their customers poorly when it comes to stock availability. And they've had a history for a long time. Um, so I, I no, I'm not no, they're not. They're not I mean, as a Amiibo fanatic, I find it so soul destroying when new batches of amiibo get announced and they're sold out in an hour you know that's they, common it, now it's a form of marketing for them isn't it mm-hmm. that's what it is it's it's this this demand and it's like everybody's talking about it online you can't get this can't get that and it's like it's the idea that uh you know the idea that even bad press is better than no press isn't it mm-hmm. so it's like it's just gee i find it really shitty. i don't like it at all anyway so we're all getting xbox one x's we're all excited because we're bunch of microsoft fanatics here aren't we let's be honest yeah. um, well that's where we start point. I mean, the interesting so, point about it, us all getting them is so because I, I would imagine that we're all what you do, deem the hardcore gamer yes, in, in yes, the video games industry yes. be, like richard pointed out probably even if there wasn't a launch game for it i probably would have bought one anyway um well there is so, a delayed crackdown so. yeah so the, the, the real question i guess is i i'm I, you know and i, I don't know this is uh, you know and i can only speculate which i'm not really going to do but just how many of those people how many people pre-ordering these are like us people who just got xboxes but you know hardcore gamers buying upgrades how many are people who um just want to upgrade for a 4k gaming experience how many people are people um players who've had playstations up to this point um but you know now there are a few games they want to try out on the xbox they they you know they're willing to to sort of it's about time to get the second console in i'd love to know all those numbers and i'm never going to know but that's the bit that's scary you know well you can get an idea by doing going places like I, I i spend a lot of time the um the xbox reddit channel and stuff like that you know seeing what people are posting mm. about it and stuff and then um you know it's a real mix like yeah, i've been, I've a, been real, reading a bit a on mix. there already yeah so yeah, it's just to kind of get an idea about who the people are buying these and i think microsoft have been actually quite clear at least with their who their target market is for this this is for the the hardcore gamer really um and and that kind of 
I think it makes their price point a bit more palatable. Um, they're not targeting the mass audience. That's what the Xbox One S is for, and they're going to stick with that messaging well, at least for at least for a year. I should expect. It's interesting now. that we talk about price. I mean, you know, Apple Apple want if you wanted to buy an Apple iPhone, you know, without contract lock, what's that? Six fifty, seven, eight. Be about nine, it'll be near, nearly a thousand pounds now. I expect for the, really? for the new one. Go. Well, yeah, with the dollar to pound difference. I so, think so when you talk about four fifty being a lot. And I don't, I don't, I don't think it is particularly nowadays. Really, um, it doesn't really feel like it is. I mean, obviously, it's it's massive for a console um, that's not really a new console. Even it's a, it's an expensive machine, but put it up to its competition, the PS4 Pro is significantly underpowered compared mm -hmm. to the X, and that's only a hundred pounds difference. You know, um, so. I don't know. To me, the the pro felt. I've got a pro. It feels like too much of a compromise. You don't really get that much for the three hundred and fifty pounds that you spend on it. I, I suspect like with the X. You're you're getting full fat. Hmm. I suspect you'll feel more happy with your X purchase than you will yeah. your pro purchase six months later. Um, just because of the amount of support already in the games with the patches that are coming, um, and the way that you know Microsoft are addressing you know the whole. Uh, onboarding process, transferring the data process, profiles and stuff like that, that you're going to be able to do it um, using uh, external hard drive or over your network, you know, however you want to do it. And I think, you know, this is Microsoft being Microsoft, you know, thinking about solutions to these problems. And I think that's that's really cool. Yeah, you know, I think you're right. Coming up with this that's where they'll win them over. Just, just to give you a funny story, when I bought my Pro, and it does offer you the option um, to, set, you know, um, move from one PlayStation 4 to the other, which I selected. And... Um, Downstairs, my PlayStation's um, connected wirelessly, and upstairs, my, my PS4's connected um, by wired. And when I went through the big, I was like, they're, so they're both on the same network, but then the transfer program complained because one was wired and one was wireless. So I actually had to go upstairs and switch them both to, uh, well, sorry, I switched them both to wired at the end to complete the transfer. But it's small little things like that that, yeah, I think Microsoft know a lot more about what they're doing. Uh, on those aspects, and yeah, I think the PS4 Pro is, hasn't been so easy for developers um, versus what I, I think the messaging we're getting from the X with regards to taking your previous titles and working with the Pro and that scalability side of things. So, seems to be really conversely easy. though, mm. PlayStation does mm. have a kind of fixed and working operating system, which Xbox is still struggling with. They're still tinkering with it now. We're waiting. You're, ben, you're on the alpha for that. We're don't don't, for the don't get next me. release. But don't the feedback don't. for that. Well, I know you hate it, and a lot of people hate <laughs> it. So if if the feedback for that is any indication, that won't be the last iteration either. And it's just don't even get me going. They're so so shaky on their um, their core OS for Xbox One, which goes back to the you know the launch window really that it was built around Connect, and they're just struggling to pull back from. Well, that's, that's changed that's... dramatically as it was Windows 8 when it launched, based under the hood, and now it's Windows 10. So it's. Mm -hmm. no, I it, mean, it, that's it's that's the story. Mm. Isn't that the story of Microsoft this generation that they have been trying to deal with a shitstorm from moment one since Phil since Phil came on, he has been desperately trying to right the ship that was you know hit by the iceberg. He's been, he's been very, he's, you know, but there's only so much you can do. You know, there, there's still problems with messaging. There's still problems with understanding what the what the actual sort of value proposition is. You know, yeah. they, they have they 
you know, after how many years into this generation are we? What, it's three? really difficult Four? to innovate when you're the battle you're fighting is to just fix what's broken yeah. you know and it's better than it was but yeah. it's still it's trying the battle from four years ago that was already yeah. lost in some sense isn't it yeah. they've, they've they've turned up with the the best army now <laughs> but the battle was four four years ago there's nothing but graves of grass and trees it's very mm. poetic joe i like that yes yeah so talking about graves and grass and trees and it's sort of the theme in a little bit of a way about this week's episode i think uh, that yeah, something sort of came back from the dead a little bit, didn't it, like this week, which was the weird... I read this, and it was written in this sort of strange first-person narrative short story format that the, basically the story of Half-Life 2 Episode 3 as told by, I think, one of the head or lead writers who worked on Half-Life 2 Episode 3 before it got canned and shuffled into the dust that Valve decided to do. That Valve employee of... Was it 15 or 20 years? I can't remember his mm. name, and I didn't write it in the notes. But yeah, this this came out, and I you know straight away when I saw it, it was like, oh my god! Um, and I, you know, made sure I downloaded a copy because I almost expected it would possibly suffer a takedown notice straight away. Um, and then yeah, I read it, and it genuinely does feel like it's the could have been the the episode three story. Um, and Mark Laidlaw, that's the guy. Thanks for that. And yeah, it's uh yeah, went through it. It's got the, it's got the things. It's got the, uh, the we, characters. We, it's all. Can we of... not spoil it, by the way, because I haven't read it. All right, no, I won't talk about it. So it's got the characters, and you, if you remember up on episode two, it was building up to to trying to find this ship, the Borealis, and things. And this is sort of obviously this story tells us the the next part where they, you know, obviously they they think they know where it is. So this is about them going to it, and then it's got some explanation around it. So yeah, what this actually means for. Uh, valve now i guess I, I does that mean the i think it what it might mean um is the end of valve doing a half-life uh to episode three but i'm wondering if some fans may kind of pick up this and try and pull something to, you, you, you nod your head but they no. think of the black mesa source remake that was valve a, would never ever 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 let that happen you, you think like, i don't know ever. who no, you what, probably would what have said that about them putting a putting a, a half-life remake on I, on steam for sale I, and they I did still it think, i think this isn't the end of half-life but when half-life comes back it will be a full reboot using the name and maybe the character but i i feel like this is this is the nail the fact that this wasn't taken down the fact that it got all over the internet and valve didn't care it means it's done it means that it's gone past any shit being given about that storyline i'll tell you a funny story i read the story and i was like what the fuck and then i realized i never played episode one or two i just finished oh, right. yeah, totally lost on you anyway uh so it meant fuck all to me but what i did like was the ending i liked the ending i won't spoil it but i really liked where that left freeman joel and mm -hmm. i thought as from a narrative point of view i thought it was a brave move i thought it was an interesting move and i was like that would have been cool i would have been if I'd been invested in the episode stories, I'd have been left there with a, a slight scratch on my head, a desire to see more, but also would feel a sense of conclusion, you know? And I thought that was, it was well handled. Um, I love the way you say, don't spoil it, Richard, because like in the hopes of what it becoming okay. <laughs> like, i was gonna, I was gonna say like, I'm, I'm still optimistic that it might happen somehow so i don't want to read it yeah. well I, I i yeah i mean i i used this as inspiration to find the key art for the story for on the site today 
um the, you know the conspiracy theories around half-life 3 i love them they're so much fun to read the the idea that it's being developed it's done guys just I can't believe put a, that put doing a, it. Put a, it's no sense put across in it it's done first well, of all valve don't make any three games for anything well, seen, ever. no they don't and i can understand that because you make a game right and you go that game was really good Hmm. let's do a sequel that expands and explodes that concept right and like really take it and then you and then you've done that where do you go from there what's a, a second sequel yeah, that's fine there's no, there's no reason to do a second if, sequel. if that's your raison d'etre don't make an episode two on a cliffhanger <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm not well i mixed mind i mixed mine personally like you basically got episode three as fan fiction now, Richard. So that's uh, basically how this is written as a, a short piece of fan fiction. Didn't even take it's not even a very long read. Um, I know, I know. I, it's I funny because it's it, to see how long it was. I haven't read it. It's any funny, it's either. funny because it's like, what's a first person shooter when you take out all the first person shooting? Yeah, it's like it's, it's a very fun. short little story. Yeah, absolutely, very much so. Um, it's only about 600 or 800 words long. It's incredibly yeah. short. But I can imagine that there's nothing much more description-wise to the start of uh, the story for the for the rest of the Half-Life no. games, per se. Um, so, yeah, Half-Life games, I think Valve have always done, um, at least at the major version numbers, have always been about um, tying it in with some large step forwards in technology or, or something new. Uh, Half-Life 1 was kind of really pulling together narrative and... and um, you know, packaging up a first-person shooter is just something more than guns and shooting stuff. <laughs> well, you know, trying to add a story and, and, and some purpose to it. Um, two was all about the physics engine, uh, the rise of physics in games, like realistic physics behaviors like, and stuff like that. And, you know, yeah, I kind of had some hopes when VR was edging forwards that yeah. Valve might try and use that. But when you think about it, Portal 3 or something like that would probably make much more sense mm -hmm. in VR than, than anything Half-Life. So I really do kind of think that Valve may never actually go back to the Half-Life series. I, I wonder if it really is, you know, just, you know, it's going to be under so much ice by now that it's going to have a sort of glacier on top of it, I guess. They should just sell it. They should just sell the IP if they're not going to use it. I think and the other problem God, is... God knows Microsoft needs some IP, so... Yeah. I think the other, the, other, the, other, the other problem is you probably don't want Valve to make it now because Valve doesn't really have good creatives anymore. No. They, they are not a game developer. They are a platform developer. Um, they do not have the creative teams probably working for them. They'd have to staff it up. but like if they, And they could do it. They've got the resources, obviously. But they right now, they, they're not geared for that. Um, so you probably wouldn't. You probably wouldn't want them to do it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. look, if Microsoft look, bought the IP, it. they can build a studio. They've got the money. Look, don't count it out. Money. Don't count it out. Who, who would have thought a few years ago that Wolfenstein could come back and be as awesome as it did, right? Mm. And it was, and it looks like the sequel's going to be. You know, exactly. Machine not, Games. Not just a one-off. It's back to a franchise now. You know, mm. it's, it wasn't being made by ID. Nobody thought that was going to be good, and yet mm. it, it came back. Who'd have thought Doom could come back and be as great as it was, right? Again, that was made by it, but it's, for all intents and purposes, it's a completely different company. So, you know, it can happen. I think the likelihood is it will be something like that. It will be a full reboot, like a complete retooling. You know, you keep the concepts, the idea of a, of a crazy, weird alien innovation, the idea of this creepy sort of machinations and control that's been done over the player, you know, the, a silent protagonist perhaps who, you know, is a scientist rather than a warrior. Something like that. You can you can you can do that. Have the high concept sci-fi that that can all come back. 
but it it will be a new thing. You know, it, that's if it ever comes back. It can happen. It can happen. I'm, I'm yeah. going. I'm still. I'm standing by my guns. I reckon the community will pull off and deliver episodes. So you will make a whole game out of those 800 words. They did it. Yeah, they did it. Black Mesa. I know was a remake, oh, but you know, there's not much dialogue in it. I think they'll. Black just... Mesa is just a reskin of Half Life One. I mean, yeah, they... yeah, but still, there's a lot to. There's a lot. You know, the community came together and pulled it off. And yeah, the difference is the, the difference is the difference is Valve don't mind a remake, but this wouldn't be a remake. This would be a whole game. Without somebody a, owning the license, they did do. Didn't someone do a Minerva or something? Um, Minerva's Den was an official DLC for Bioshock. No, no, no. There's um. Let me think. Like there is there is a, a sister Half Life Two game that sees you go somewhere. Blue that shift. was. No, that was one. Half Life One was Blue Shift. Uh, no, let me Half Life Two. Quickly googling the power of the internet. Uh, Doing it live. Richard's had enough. He's got up. He's he's off. He's leaving the live stream as yep, we there you do go. our Half-Life research. Half-Life 2 Minerva uh, on Steam. Oh, right. What yeah. is it? It's a... Uh... Yeah, so this is you playing the role of... Uh... I'm not sure if you play Gordon Freeman, but anyway, you play... You, you, and you're going to attack a Combine Force base, um, pretty much. And it was... Uh... Yeah, I played through this. It's, it's quite short, but it's quite good. Um, and yeah, it's free, and it's on Steam. And it's original content actually using Half-Life, you know, it's not just using the source engine with different materials and assets. This is using the source, it's using Half-Life, it's the Half-Life universe, it's a new piece of fan made Half-Life okay. Half -Life game that's on Steam and available. Okay, so so would you want it? A fan made one following that story, um, I would play it and try it. And if it was done to the same quality of Black Mesa, we know what the story is now. If the expectations are, it's not going to be, it's just going to take the Source 2 engine. It's not going to introduce any new technology or damn-fangled thing. It's just going to take what they had before, build up the new levels, and finish the story off. Then, yeah, shit, I'd play that. Uh, let me just put it out there. That sounds so incredibly underwhelming <laughs> that just read the fucking story and be done with it. Like... Because because the thing is that you mentioned you said it yourself. Valve released these things to break through tech. the The whole episode thing was at the time. Episodic gaming was this crazy thing. They were breaking through a distribution method right there. Right? They were trying something different. You just release a fan made episode three, like, and it's the same sort. It's this dated engine and dated tech. Does everybody's yeah. read the story? Why would you bother? Why would you bother? I think if it was going to come out now, it would have to be a complete redo of episodes one, it. two, and three, and three bolted onto it as a complete package, or do a movie of three, something like that. A movie, think, yeah, that would work. I'd watch it's... a Half-Life movie. I love the high concept of that world. I think that you know you'd have to change things up a lot, but some a film in that universe could be really cool. Yeah, that that could be really interesting. Right. Get Neil Blomkamp we... to direct it. Should we move, move on? on? Yeah, let's move hey, on. Hey, look, 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 it's no rush, man. It's like, we'll talk about what we talk about. It's, you know, don't, oh, don't worry too much about the show. There's quite there's a few other news here. items I'm keen there to is. Yes, let's talk about something to do with a game I reviewed a, uh, a few weeks back, maybe a couple of months ago. Um, Tokyo 42. Mode 7, the developer for this, did a very weird thing. So they created a false controversy. So the developers made and took on the persona of a 1980s video game developer who made a game called Tokyo 41 or 40, 41, I can't remember. 41. Tokyo 41, 41 yeah. So I only read this earlier today, but I've forgotten already. Uh, and then he then proceeded to complain at the developers of Tokyo 42 that they'd ripped off his idea 
and created this unofficial sequel or basically, you know, remade his game without his permission to get eyes on the game for the release of it onto the PlayStation 4. Now, I think I, I fall on the side of that was pretty canny. I, mm. I, I kind of dig that as a marketing move. Um, it, it shows a lot of effort. It shows a lot of creativity. A lot of time went into that, obviously. Uh, and then they read and the guys that did this, they really stuck to the the guns for quite a while. They stayed in character. You know, there was Twitter back and forth. They created a fake blog where the guy was moaning about it. They had a fake. He had a fake development studio and a fake publisher, all connected with this fake, this fake game supposedly from the eighties. You know, and it had really people wondering, like, especially the uneducated, the non-games press. They were like, "Is this real? Did they really do this? What is this Tokyo Forty Two? Oh, it's just out on PlayStation Four. Maybe I'll buy a copy." And the, and the reason being, Mode Seven say, and it's fair that it's very difficult for these developers to penetrate these games into the mindshare to actually get people to buy them and to try them. And Tokyo 42 is a very fun little game. I think it suffers a little bit of style over substance, but it is really cool looking and, and great art, great audio. Design-wise, it's second to none. It's so distinctive. Um, but yeah, I mean, some people were a bit like, mm, fake news and disingenuous, and I'm not sure I agree with this. And it's like, you know, straddling the line of to do with, you know, um, you know, the legalities of things like this and that developers really suffer from the idea of, you know, games that get cloned on iOS and stuff like that. So I can see where they're coming from. But on the other hand, I'm just like, that was cool. That was cool. I, I, think- kinda, I, I dug it. The problem I had was that there. I think it's a. I get the marketing stunt. I, I you know you have to be creative in marketing these days. It's absolutely fine. I, it was really interesting. There was just one point in the middle of the story where the the first um, news, you know, games news outlet to actually, I think, confident enough to call this fake to to actually post about this being actually a fake story, then came under intensive attack from the. Take a 42 uh, development team about how this is not a fake story, you know, <laughs> questioning their journalistic integrity and things. It's like, hold on a second, why didn't they just come out at that point and said, yeah, you've ratted us out, you know, and that probably would have given them the, the push and publicity they needed. They just didn't need to do that middle step where they, they I think that, you know, no, that like, I'm cool with that because I don't know what outlet it is, if it's a Polygon or a Kotaku or whatever, but like, yeah, good for them. Like, you know, fucking, you're, you're not a real journalist. You're, you you write about video games. I mean, like, yeah, shut the fuck up. Like, who gives a fuck? These guys are doing some marketing. Yeah, go to go to war with them. I just find that all funny. I'd see the funny side of that. I, I'd be cool with that. If somebody did that with us, if we outed someone and they came at us, I'd be, I'd get into it. Yeah, and do you know for sure if the Polygon or Kotaku or whatever, the, the Eurogamer... Journalism, yeah. Because it's that's like an oxymoron to me, Richard. Anyway, but anyway, the idea that 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 have you been on YouTube recently? Um, at, le- at least we try here at BXP to not just be paid to say nice things. Um, because like there's ni- there's ninety million views going to PewDiePie. Well, exactly. Yeah, there's ninety million views on PewDie- on PewDiePie's channel, and that bitch gets paid by the publishers to say nice things about his ga- the games. You know, that's that's literally how it works. But anyway, I mean, it's like. Do you know, I was going to say, Joel, for sure, if that outlet wasn't in on it? Uh, no, I haven't followed up the story much Because since. a lot of them were. There's a lot of people that were in on the gag, that they were told behind the scenes, but they liked the guys at Tokyo 42, 42 or they thought that the moxie of this concept was worth backing up and give them a, give them a hand, you know, get people seeing this cool game. And maybe they, they lent into it, you know? I, I, you know, who knows? Um, I, I think it's I think it's pretty generous. I think it's pretty cool. 
Well, we've got us talking about it. Long on quiet. Yeah, exactly. So, and look, I, but I was talking about for, Tokyo 42 months ago when I reviewed it. We talked about it on the podcast, didn't we? We, we, you know, we played that game. You know, we did that for them, you know, in a way, because that's how that's how this the video game press works, because they give us cool. games. We They're talk about their games. Effort into it. I've got no yeah. problem with them sticking by their guns, mm-hmm. having put all that work in. Mm-hmm. They're not going to go, oh, yeah, we're rumbled. Fair go, mate. Stick with it. Okay. It's it's a lot of work and it's really impressive what they've done. So yeah, get as much. I mean, they created all those they, they created all those fake screenshots. They you know all the all the fake characters. They they've. <laughs> I just think they're obviously not a big team. So there's probably some guy there who's just doing one side's fake response, okay. the other side's fake response. You know, and he's like at the end of the day, he's like, I don't know who I am anymore. <laughs> I don't know who who's the real me. Like, you know, he's just going, going home to the wife and he's like, Jeff, Jeff, are you okay? And he's ignoring her because he's like, no, my name's Tom. I don't know who this Jeff is. <laughs> he had accidentally next day drives to the fake office, forgetting that he needs to go to the real one and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> I've forgotten who I work for. I I, I can see what you're, what you're saying, Joel. And it, so do you fall along the more along the lines of this is a bit of a questionable practice? No, no. I, like I said, I, I think the marketing sounds brilliant. I love that kind of stuff. It was just the point that when they had essentially been ratted out that they then continued to go on the attack to try and hold it together when like i i felt at that time it would have been better to so whoa hands up right yeah you, you busted us they'd already got i think the attention they needed and it was always gonna from that point onwards sort of spread around the the various news outlets and stuff so you know i think it achieved what it needs to achieve i just think they could have probably just taken that one step out of the middle I think it's got elements of like an ARG about it and, and stuff like that. Almost like they wanted people to investigate it and try and tear them down and mm-hmm. try and point it out to them. And then they could fight it off for a bit. And then they, you know, and then, you know, it didn't take them that long to admit what was really going on. It was only a few days and stuff. And it was like, I, I kind of, ah, I like it. I like, I think it's so creative, you know, and I, I, mm. I, and I like it when I see creative marketing. Trust me, I get a lot of press releases, right? And the, the only time I really read a press release is when it seems to be written by a human, which is quite rare. You know, it's usually fucking form copy. It's just so boring and dry and dull and the same thing again and again and again. But when it's like, hey, man, what's up? Yeah, I know you get a lot of these, but like, you know, I want to talk to you about this shitty product that you probably don't care about. But, you know, that's my job. And it's just like, oh, I'll actually read that because it seems like a real person. So a step cool. beyond that is hmm. let's let's basically create a load of fiction and get people talking about my game that way. I dig it. I dig it. So talking about more kind of weird viral marketing, look at Joel. He almost like intentionally put these stories together when he put them together. I thought it was, it's very impressive, Joel. I mean, right. Maybe I should make you like, you know, fancy stories editor instead of just hometown oh, news. Yes. Hometown news. Hometown <laughs> news and Joel. New Joel's news corner. So in other <laughs> in other weird marketing, we've got this fake KFC training VR thing. Has it actually it's been called fake. out as fake yet? Yeah, I haven't. Oh, not, that's yet. not real, guys. <laughs> Come on, it's probably real. After that it's Burger King game, I think there was some no, there's some is... background with apparently the marketing company who work with KFC are renowned for doing stuff like this so it's not entirely outside of the realms of possibility no, no, i must admit it, might, it looks fake yeah it might be a real game but it's not a real training tool is it <laughs> oh no no of course <laughs> like, 
<laughs> I, I, I sincerely hope not. <laughs> I, I, oh, wow. I think we have some cross wires there. No, I don't think they get like their new employees to, to put on a VR mm. headset and learn about cooking chicken by like some evil Colonel Sanders overlord character that's spying on them and uses laser beams to to kind of keep them in line. No, I, I don't <laughs> I don't think that really happens. Have if it did, I'd buy a lot more Zinger Tower burgers. Have you have you all watched the video? You obviously have been. Have you watched, watched it? Watched it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like watched it and the first thing I thought of is literally like saw. <laughs> like is yeah. it is it not yeah. like really like yeah. You know, it's like now put your hand in the fryer if you want to get out of here. Kind of. The weird, oh. the weird, thing, with, the weird thing with this marketing is I've never been sort of less interested in eating, than in eating chicken from KFC because the chicken in that game looks really gross. And it's like, I'm not, it doesn't even look like real. It just looks like horrible, like rubbery fake chicken which you could argue is the chicken you get in kfc um but like oh it just looks so unappetizing and like all the things that it goes through it's just like this is messed up man so messed up but no as as marketing i've been off kfc for a long time but that trailer makes got you hungry yeah yeah. i've pulled you back in i do it's one of my i i do like a dirty a a dirty kfc burger um every so often like Mm. Yeah, it's, it's nice to remind yourself of the wrongness that we can now get in modern Western society. I kind of um, wish Adam was on the show this week because I know um, that. Have you seen that Burger King game, Joel? No, no, no. Ten years ago, I've, I've, I've played McDonald Land from a long time ago. If you can remember uh, the video game, totally creepy and similar to the KFC thing that we're looking at. It's called Sneak King. It came out on the three sixty. I remember that. Yeah, I remember that. Totally. It was developed by Blitz Games, which. Um, um, friend of the show, Adam, worked for at the time, so I think he was involved in some way. His greatest Look, achievement. That up. Right, I've got a video playing now. I've got the trailer, so I'll I'll quietly watch this on the side. Yeah. It had Burger King hiding in bins and like creeping up on people. That is what the Burger <laughs> King does. That is what he does. But yeah, um, yeah, curious marketing stunts. Theme of the week. Theme of the week. Um, shall we talk about? Um, some of the games we've been playing because I've got and reviewing because I've got a whole bunch, but mostly Joel. I just want to talk about F1, really. Yeah, do it. So uh, I know we talked about it a little bit before, but I'm still curious. So, you know, one week on, Ben, how, how well, are you now feeling about it? You've, you've, one you've one week it. on, and I just watched qualifying for what is possibly the greatest Grand Prix currently. Great, in greatest the track, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, Spa, it's one of the legend tracks. Spa Francorchamps is fucking amazing as a track and i literally before coming on to record i did a bunch of laps on it and time trial just to remind myself of how much fun it is to drive around especially with the new cars um the mechanical grip means you can really throw yourself into those corners um so yeah i i did a video review of f1 2017 and i came all over it um I, I gave it. I gave it five stars. <laughs> and now Ben's and... disc doesn't work anymore, so uh, hasn't been <laughs> Thankfully, it was a digital it. download. <laughs> Unthankfully, it got in all the vents. Um, uh, I'm to see why two Xbox One one's sticky and not working properly. <laughs> so I feel like the F1 games are kind of like the unsung champions of racing games on Xbox uh, on consoles and PC and they don't really get talked about that much uh, except by me it would seem 
uh, Codemasters are brilliant at these games. Like the last, yeah, last year's was amazing, and this year is somehow even better. Um, it is a fantastic simulation reproduction of the sport of Formula One. Uh, and as a massive fan of Formula One, like Joel, um, you know, like I was just talking about Spa, I've got the Grand Prix tomorrow. I can't wait. It's Spa is such an amazing race. Um, and yeah, it just nails it. I mean, the fact that I was playing some 2016 to remind myself, and, and you know, and then I played some 2017. And then, yeah, they, the cars actually handled differently to reflect the rule changes and the new cars introduced this year. And you can genuinely feel it. And it's not a subtle change and you can totally see the difference. And it's such a, I don't want to kind of retread. You can, you can go and listen to my uh, impressions from last week as well. I think I talked about it quite a lot in, that, in, in depth there. And I don't want Richard to fall asleep as I just wax lyrical about my love of F1, uh, much like Joel falls asleep when we talk about wrestling, I would imagine. Um, but yeah, it's a fantastic, accurate representation of the sport. This year we've got the classic cars in there as well, which is a brilliant addition. They've done that in the past, but they've not been in there on the on the current generation of hardware. And it's good to see them back. Um, the career mode has been fleshed out in brilliantly long, like ways. Like Richard, it has an R and D screen, right, for your cars that looks oh, like I'm a in. tech tree. It looks like a tech tree from a 4X game, you know, like like Galactic Civilizations or Civilization game. You know, just icons okay. yeah. everywhere all the possibilities in front of you about how awesome you can make your car that's good is uh, it over the years that is very good richard that is it's so immersive it pulls you in you're not just a driver you're kind of like uh, a team principal as well you're picking decisions for your team and like you know where you're going to develop the vehicle the racing feels the best it has ever felt it looks great it's one of the games that's going to get a, a patch for the xbox one x as well joe i don't know if you saw that yeah, i think that's why we mentioned it last year yeah uh, last year, last week. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm getting a bit drunk. I've been drinking a, a lovely cocktail throughout the podcast, so I'm, I'm getting pretty hammered right now. Um, so yeah, it, perfect for talking about F1, obviously, with all the technical details. Um, but yeah, uh, have you guys got any questions? Joe, was there anything else you'd like to know that I've now spent another week with it, done the full review, etc.? That might be easier. And you, I assume you played it with just a controller. You don't have a steering wheel and pedals. That's correct, yeah. Yeah. I think it's funny because somebody kind of deriding me about that. It's like, why don't you have a wheel set up? And it's like, have you seen how they drive F1 cars? I wouldn't really call them wheels. Um, but the steering wheels they're using there are basically like high-tech, futuristic steering devices. That's the only thing I can describe. That. It's like, I don't think, I think a controller is as close to the steering wheels they use in F1 cars as a steering wheel is that you'd find in a car. So, you know, no, I don't have a wheel, but the fact is, I don't know how to drive, so I'm not sure how that would help me with the experience. <laughs> See, I used to, um, oh, I used to adore playing um, F1 on the Xbox 360 with the Xbox 360 steering wheel and pedals. I, I, I do love playing F1 games with steering wheels and pedals. I don't think it's, uh, you know, you, I play them with the controller as well. I can, I can switch between it, but there is something quite satisfying about using the wheel. Mm. Um, I, I'd say this about the about the controller though, with the the haptic triggers. Hmm. Um, whatever they call them, rumble trigger. What did they call them when they announced the Xbox? I can't remember now. But the, the feedback, the subtlety in the feedback you get, you know, when you can feel the grip point, uh, especially in the Codemasters racing games and, and you know, racing games in general, where, where you can feel that edge, whereas you're just coming up to it and you can literally have a tactile sensation that, that really represents that feeling of holding the road. Um, and uh, and that's, that's super satisfying. I mean, look, Richard, you 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 like your falls games, but no, I'm not. I, I say this at the start of my review. Actually, I don't know if you've watched it, Joel, but I say 
I got criticized on my last review of F1 um, for kind of reviewing it from the standpoint of a fan of F1. And, and I actually say in my review, if you're if you're considering this, if, start, you're, yeah. if you're considering this game and you're not a fan of F1, get a different fucking racing game. Yeah. Because if you don't play this as a simulator and really go for it, there's no point. Like it's like when you if you've got like the, one of the rally games that Codemasters does, the dirt games, and you're not at least a bit interested in fucking rally, why are you bothering? Play Forza, no. you know, that's what Forza exists for. Those kind of I want a good racing game on Xbox. Get Forza. The, the, the thing is, though, when I go from Formula One to Forza, Forza feels slow, like just really slow in general. Whereas when you when you're in a Formula One car in those F1 games, when you're that close to the ground, going at those incredible speeds, it feels incredible. Like it is the the, the most tense, stressful, uh, exhilarating, exciting, and rewarding racing game I have ever played. And and 2017 is the best one they've done. So, five stars. Drop the mic. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. The only the, I, I will get it. The only thing holding me back is the the. It's going to really sound probably quite cheap, but the price. I just don't think an F1 game's worth forty five pounds new. What? Now, if what? It was, Why? For, because I think it's because of its limited appeal. It's it. If you think about it, it's only you know. Not many. Technically, it's not many cars, and almost no variety in car. You could argue. There, there's a uh, lot of variety in the cars. Well, no, just, it's just you can drive a there's red one ones, car. there's yeah. blue ones. <laughs> <laughs> Ultimately, you know, it's not like like you say. If you you look at Forza Horizon, for example, <laughs> the variety you get in that game. If one's very focused, and it's very focused in a good way, it's got the fan appeal. But for me, I just can't. The the, the price to it's. The, the you know the entry barrier cost is too much now pay 30 quid for it all right um but not the 45 they're asking okay, so okay, i'm gonna, I'm gonna wait that. a bit joel i'll take that challenge value proposition right it's got a, an incredibly deep long career mode it's got classic cars which you can do in various there's, there's on top of the career mode, there's these championships and each of these championships is customized so you can do like a full championship of like i don't know pick a, a a proper F1 driver and go through a full season with them to various ones to do with the classic cars um, throughout the year. So you've got loads of variety in there. You've got time trials. You've got a full multiplayer suite, which enables you to play with the classic cars, the modern cars. You can do full races. You can do the sim. You can do an arcade kind of variation. You can play with one other person or up to a full grid of other people, right? You've got um, so events, which are these new things that, that Codemasters is doing where they're doing these like themed activities that come hmm. up i think they're checking them on a weekly basis um so they're going to be scenarios that are specific the one they've got at the moment is at spa in the wet your max verstappen you've just lost your nose cone you've got to get it replaced and then you've got to try and win the race uh with i think only something like 10 laps to go you know and then you've got to like get a score based on the amount of assist you're using uh, and the amount of time you do it in and then you get put on a global leaderboard the other cool thing i, I was playing some time trials earlier on spa and uh, it pulls in ghosts from your nearest rivals um so that you can race against basically other people even though you're doing a time trial there there is so much in this game like it is so fully featured if you are an f1 fan which i know you are joel it is 100 worth that money like you're there is hundreds of hours of gameplay here right hundreds I, of hours i know i'm not disagreeing like and, and i'm one of those really 
sad I'm not going to say sad people just invested people who when I when I embark on these F1 games I actually run the career at full race lengths I've done full race length Grand Prix in these games yeah uh, I normally skip the practice sessions in, in summer since I get the car can't do that now I'd, yeah should I do, do that now I know you said you've got it's all about the tech research is, mm -hmm. is sort of got testing parts and earning the points as stuff comes through the practices and things so uh, yeah. it's just the I, there's the investment of my time as well and with so much other stuff coming on I think this will be one that I pick up around the with the X when it comes out I, I expect well, I mean, hopefully it'll be in my price point by then and I'll it'll be nice to showcase the, um, you know, the, one, of the one, of, one of the nicest things though having it, having it during the season is you can play you know the race they're about to do or have done just now you know for real mm. and you can you know get a better understanding of the track uh, you can really put yourself in that in that world in that reality and have a good you know grounding for what they're doing at spa for example this weekend you know that's why i was racing around on spa so it's like when i then watch it i can appreciate the different corners a bit better the trip the difficulty with overtaking in certain parts of the track you know maybe the difficulty of following that sort of thing and it, and it really i think it adds it's additive to the sport mm. um as, as a fan of it you know so hmm I, I think you should get it. I want to play multiplayer with you, Joel. I want to get online. Well, yeah, play I want to play as well. So what I'll, what I'll do is I'll get it. And um, when you get me that steering wheel and pedals for my birthday. Sure, I'll, I'll sort you out. Yeah, no yeah, yeah, cool. I mean, it's going to be that, you know, that steering wheel that was Connect enabled, which you just held up <laughs> like that and just moved your hands left to right. I'll get you that wheel. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've got, cool. I haven't, I haven't got, I haven't got one, that. one, but I think I've got a Wii one, which I could just sellotape the controller to, and it would probably work mm. just as a fit. You know, feels good. Yeah. Feels real good. No, it doesn't. Um, okay. Richard, now to wake you up again, get yourself off mute if you can. Welcome back. We'll stop talking about F1. Um, <laughs> did you want to talk about... Because of F1, that was thrilling. It's just the, <laughs> the wife's just come home. Hello, Sarah. Bye, Sarah. Um, okay. Masquerada. Oh god, I forgot I'd reviewed that. Masquerada and some subtitle that I can't remember. Um Songs Shadow. and Shadows or something. Shadows of the Fall things. Uh, Tales of Songs and Shadows or some shit like that. Memorable, but, huh? Yeah, yeah, stuck with you, Rich. Yeah, really. Yeah, what do you know about it? Kind of a little bit. I mean, all right. I all right, look. I saw this game. I thought, man, that looks really pretty. I got in touch with the developer. I was like, hey, got any code? Love to review that. And then I didn't have the time. And I was like, hey, Rich, this looks really pretty. Why don't you give it a go? And I'll give and you that. You it does look pretty. Looks so, nice. And I said, I, I said when I took it off you, didn't I? That it's not normally my sort of game. You so did. anyone that is offended by how much I dislike this game. Bear that in mind. It really isn't the sort of thing I enjoy. You might like it. I didn't. But this is a sort of turn-based strategy RPG. It's got um, sort of cel-shaded cartoony graphics and an isometric viewpoint. And it looks really nice. I think the idea of the game, although it's massively oversold in incredibly detailed far beyond what it needs to be uh, narrative the story is about people that wear masks and the masks give you special special powers and if you die with a mask on then the mask disappears so there's some sort of mystery about where these masks come from why they disappear when you die 
and power struggles in the city about uh, different classes that control these masks and other insurgents that want to control them. So that's the setup. Um, but in practice, what you do is you walk around an isometric viewpoint land, uh, sort of town thing. Um, you talk to people when you're told to talk to them by a sort of glowing indicator on the on the floor. You walk to that point, you press A, words happen. You walk to another point, you go to another part of the map, and then same again, you talk to people, words come out. And... <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I've got... Richard, you're like boiling down every text-based RPG ever into like you go somewhere, words happen. Basically, yeah. what, what you're trying to tell me is that these words, they did not grab you. Fair? Right, well... Exactly. Well, I'm boiling it down to, to its component parts because <laughs> it has no artifice of any sort of creativity um, or whoa, no, no, no buy-in. I, I couldn't buy into this in any sense. So the story is sort of sold to you through interactions that really are as. What's the best way to describe it? It's like an encyclopedia. You imagine that when they're developing this game, they've got some encyclopedia of terms or something, right? So these are all the characters. These are all the different races, clans, classes, um, um, competing factions within the city. And all of this is drawn up in a codex in the game. That, that codex is dished out across the game by you picking up things off the map in those these glowing indicators that I talked about, right? Mm -hmm. But it's also really the core and not just the core, it's almost all there is to the narrative interactions you have with characters as well. They aren't characters. They're tourist um, information booths telling you what this game is about. It's so Every boring. Everything is just expositional dialogue. Everything's exposition. Everything mm. everyone says is in massively indecipherable bullshit um, um, language that you have to look up in the codex to understand what mm. they're talking about. It feels like homework. It's horrid. And it's not the sort mm. of codex you get in Mass Effect or something where you, you get on board with the characters. Some of them are funny. They sing silly songs. Great. You, you're interested in them. And if you want to hear more about um, the Krogan race, whatever, you read up on about it. But you don't have to. You can just see someone, you can just see the characters doing what they do. And that's interesting in itself. There's none of that in this. Mm. It's just them telling you about what the world is, how much work they're putting into building it. There's no emotion at all behind it. It's just, it's a wall of text. It's, it's tricky, isn't it? Because I, I did a review for a game. Um, do you remember when I talked about Torment's Tide of Numenera? Yeah. A few months ago. I'll and that's yeah. that's kind of like what you're describing. That it's a, hmm. a dense, unique world that's, you know, that's alien to you and that you only understand through the exposition you're getting in the world and the items and the interactions you're having. I think the difference there was that Torment, uh, time Tides of Numenera really grabbed me with its unique weirdness, and it's like right. I wanted to find out about it. Whereas it sounds to me like the big difference here with with Masquerada is that it had the exact opposite effect on you. It's like 
You didn't give a shit about the bullshit they created for this world. And it might just be me. It might just be I mean, me. yeah, sure, but, but look, don't, you don't have to... You don't have to keep saying that because you can only review a game from your point of view. Right? So that's fine. That's fine. Okay? Don't worry. Yeah, I, I guess so. It's just when it's out of your comfort zone and you think, well, this appeals to somebody, but it's not my thing. You you don't want to tread on toes so hard when it's something you're familiar uh, as opposed to something that you're familiar with. I know my ground if it's a platform shooter or something. Sure. It's not so much. Um, but I just I can't understand why anyone would like this. I mean, it's not <laughs> just, not the narrative stuff alone. The gameplay as well. It's turn based. Sure, um, it does have allusions towards real time combat. I mean, in practice, um, you can just run around and stand next to an enemy and press a button and you'll attack stuff. Um, you can switch between that and a sort of pause mode where you'll chain up attacks and sequence them. But either one just feels like there's no impact whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, you just stand next to an enemy, you press the trigger, and there's an animation with you waving a sword about until one of you dies. You know, I, I, and I put a fair bit of time into this. I didn't finish it, but I put a fair bit of time in to try and see how that developed. And you do get additional attacks. So each face button, you can map unique attacks to it. But visually, um, it, it doesn't really add much to how much how much feedback you're getting from a fight. It just feels like you're waiting for the outcome to happen. Sounds like what happened with you was a bit like what happened with me with Tekken Seven as well. Like the whole the whole idea that you know that you know sometimes it's good to challenge yourself with by by reviewing a genre or something from a series that's not established that you don't have a connection with. Hmm. Uh, and, and you know that's kind of one of the reasons when you told me this wasn't your thing i was like well hey you know maybe this is the one that turns that around for you um and, and maybe one day you'll get that this wasn't that one tekken 7 definitely wasn't the one to get me into the tekken universe you know uh so it feels a bit like your two stars was a pity two stars like my three stars for tekken 7 was a bit of a pity well, i gave stars. it to because it looks so nice it does look very does look nice. really it looks really and fucking good I, I say it's not my thing but i do have previous for I suppose a tangential relationship to this genre. I did really like um, Knights of the Old Republic, and that's almost the same sort of thing, isn't However, it? However, you love Star Wars, yeah. So, yeah, that will pull you in. That will get you in there. You see, I that's guess, what you, but... that's what you need, isn't it? Yeah, the combat was turn-based in Knights of the Old Republic, but it felt like it worked. It felt like there there was some sort of impact there. There was some visceral connection with that combat even though it was turn-based don't feel that in this at all it's just weak animations that go on until they don't you know and knights of the old republic had characters it had all the Mm -hmm. the background you expect for star wars it didn't have to force it down your throat because well i suppose it had the benefit everyone knows star wars anyway there you go but you know the characters. I just kind of liked it, and there there isn't anything in this that I can relate to. It's really obviously except Karth because Karth sucked. Yeah, come on, nobody liked mm. Karth. Poor old Karth guy. was bullshit <laughs> in Night Sierra Republic. He you was a to to whiny twat. He just moaned all the time. Look, dude, I'm just trying to murder some people. I want to be Sith. He's yeah. like, no, don't you do don't, that. You don't have to like them all, but they have to be people, don't they? they there aren't, people, there yes. aren't any people in Masquerada, I think is what I'm trying that's, to say. They, they sound like expositional spouts from the way you're describing them, and that's yeah. kind of it. 
yeah yeah that it, it does sound like they they the developer probably uh, to use a term that used to be referred to a lot in uh, network tv they created their law bible yes. and then with that they then decided to just sort of they went oh we did a lot of work on that we should probably get as much of it into the game as possible exactly and they didn't know yeah. where to stop and that's that's yeah. a problem that does not make a character had to cram all of it in um and not had the confidence to live by their characters um you you know in okay, real yeah. life there's loads of stuff you know about your world and your uh, your culture the, the the country in which you live you mm. don't go around telling people about it <laughs> hello my name is ben i am an anglo-saxon male i am now 33 <laughs> years old i have been in the uk for all 33 years let me tell you about the uk it was formed as an alliance of nations to prevent these things from happening we are also a member of the eu though not currently possibly leaving let me tell you about the history of the united nations yeah. <laughs> by that yeah i get you that's not a person that's an information booth. Yeah. Yeah. You've just summed up Masquerada. You've said nothing <laughs> about it anymore. <laughs> okay, man, it's cool. It's cool. I, 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 I wish I played it. I really do. But um, <laughs> hey, your opinion is valid too. So, Joel, I don't really know a, a good way of segueing into Halcyon except to say, no, no, got, not, not got one. So tell me about Halcyon 6 Lightspeed Edition, another game I would like to have played myself, but gave to Joel because I'm lovely. Aren't you so kind? Um, I am the best. So, uh, yeah, Halcyon 6 is a kind of space strategy sim, I guess. Um, it's, you, you play the wrong, so literally the game starts off right, and uh, it's kind of introducing, easing you into the game, and literally, you know, you're, you're, there's this sprawling, you're, you're, you know, you're in this sort of empire, this, um, what do they call it, the Terran, Terran Federation. Uh, so you're part of this, and they, they occupy most of the, the, the planets in the galaxy. They're well established and stuff. And, you know, an, a new enemy seems to have turned up, so they dispatch the entire fleet to have a look and get wiped out. <laughs> so literally your empire crumbles, and uh, they suddenly turn to you. Now, Halcyon 6 is like, um, it's uh, an ancient, abandoned alien relic. Uh, sort of space station floating around that's built by a long extinct alien race. Um, it probably sounds a bit familiar. It's a sci-fi story that's been well well trodden. Um, so anyway, you're literally like given command of this station, um, and yeah, from there you've got to you've got to fend off attacks from um, this new alien race uh, that's appeared. Obviously, at the same point, you've got sort of pirates and rebels and things built up. So these other civilizations you have to interact with and, and kind of deal with. Um, and you've got to rebuild your military forces. You've got to get your resources all sorted and stuff. And you've got to eventually go and, and battle back the, the crawl, uh, as the enemy is called. Um, so the game's uh, main real focus is... The, um, it's kind of people resources, I guess you could say. You have these officers, and you command these officers, um, and they're a very limited resource. I think you, you get like uh, one initially, and you you know have to work really hard to get them. And you know, by the current present point in the game, I think I've got six in total. Um, and these officer characters, you can give them, you know, they can come from a tactical background where they're sort of focused on combat, or you get a scientific one where they're really good for research and uh, and sort of, um, you know, research projects, helping expand bases and, and, and sort of improve resource gathering and stuff. Or they can come from a kind of engineering background where they're really good at building and fixing things. So, um, and yeah, you've got to 
there's lots of stuff you can do in the game. You can buy, build ships. You need to give a ship a commanding officer. So you have to choose one of your officers from your pool to go and command a ship. But at the same time, you've got this abandoned relic of a, of a station, Halcyon 6, which every bloody species in the universe wants to get their teeth into and, and ownership of. Um, but this station, you need to, you need to, you know, you've you've occupied its core per se. But there are all these sort of empty, abandoned rooms that spread out from there. So you need to send people to kind of investigate and clear out these rooms. Um, so you can build new rooms. You can research new rooms. You can build new power reactors. You can build new ship hangars. So you can upgrade ships. You can build repair bays and uh, you know crew quarters and this kind of stuff. Um, and then you've got so you send your ships out to other planets then these planets need, you know, there's tasks that need to be done on some of these planets. You come across an old abandoned outpost. It's a mining facility. It's still functional. There's just no one there. So you need to, can you rebuild and get a crew down there? You have to assign your officers to these tasks. So your officers are this limited resource. You really have to use sensibly um, because, you know, to progress in the game, you've got to complete these tasks and they, they're, they're the way that they advance missions and stuff. Um, and so that's the real challenge. And, and the officers themselves, each one has their own skill tree, their own experience. You have to level them up. The skill tree is focused around ship and ground combat, and they get their own abilities. But then the ship types you build also have different abilities. So when you put a, uh, you know, an officer in a, in a, in a ship, he, uh, when you're in an actual space combat with other vessels, you'll have a strip of sort of the ship's abilities, per se, sort of combat abilities like ramming and that kind of stuff alongside your officer's abilities, which may be special types of attacks like strafing runs, which can hit all the enemies at the same time and stuff like that. So it's really a lot of synergy between the officers and how you use them. Um, and yeah, then you've got all the other bits of aspects in combat. There's sort of certain ships of you know, um, deliver certain damages. You can inflict certain types of vulnerabilities on ships. You've then got to exploit them with other types. There's a lot of synergy to exploit there. And then there's ground combat missions. You have these kind of, uh, I want to say away missions, but they're not really, uh, you literally, they're just fights you take place on ground on, on bases or you sort of board an alien space station. You've just got your, you know, you've got your officer there leads the charge, the vanguard per se, uh, surrounded by what they call green shirts, which is literally the <laughs> red shirts from Star Trek, <laughs> who are the cannon fodder willing, you know, you can willingly sacrifice during battles and stuff. But yeah, it's kind of, it's quite an interesting um game it develops out and obviously you, uh, you complete missions the game gives you missions and, and tasks and stuff which help you progress such as like well we need you to build a tier two ship hangar and stuff so it keeps you edging forwards and things um uh, i found that pacing quite nice but yeah the 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 officers is the real crux of it lose an officer it can really put you on the back foot quite suddenly because you know if a ship's destroyed that's it your officer died on the ship uh you know and recruiting and a replacement can be really expensive um particularly you know, the resources that you have to do to complete and and you have to assign an officer to the officer recruitment task to replace an officer it's like really these are people you need to look after um and yeah it's kind of from there it's it's really good fun the game's huge it uh just when i thought i'd completed it um the game then takes on an, uh, an entire different guise as you know it sort of expands i'd, I'd rebuilt the universe I'd, I'd got things back to how i wanted i'd vanquished this enemy but actually then we found where the enemy space was and that the next sort of phase of the game begins. Um, so yeah, it's, I, I, I'm really, really enjoying it. I think um, it's got good replayability value. It's really reminiscent, I guess, of it's kind of like a mashup, I guess, between civilization um, masters of Orion, if anyone's ever played that and oh, yeah. FT, FTL, it's got kind of, oh, yeah. it's been definitely inspired by those Shit. games. Why did um, I fucking give you this game? You just take three of my favorite game boxes. It looks, <laughs> It looks 
awesome. The the pixel art in the game is really fantastic. The way um, the way during combat, like the enemies, as you steadily wear them down. You can remember Doom faces, Doom guy's little face used to have a status <laughs> yeah. bar. As he sort of damage just goes through those different phases of more blood and you know his face getting more mangled and stuff. This happens in this. Like your ships get mangled and yeah, it's it looks really good. The the effects are pretty cool and stuff, and the audio track's pretty. You know, it's got this kind of humorous chip 2d beat to it that kind of like despite the the actual tone of the game sort of i guess trying to be a bit well the, the game itself is rather humorous it's taken the piss out of star trek all over the place where it can and stuff so it's got a pretty humorous tone to it but obviously it's quite a serious like yeah there's you know we've just been completely screwed over our empires collapsed we you know if we don't do something we're gonna lose um but there's this happy melody that keeps you bubbling along as you go and it's just yeah it's genuinely good fun um so yeah, I'm. I've literally I've written the review about twice so far because I wrote the first time and then I've gone back through and I'm editing. You know, so hopefully I'll have it actually up on the site by the end of this bank holiday weekend. Um, but yeah, it's uh, for ten pounds. This is really good value for money. I think for what you get, considering the systems you've just told me and the games it's reminiscent of, and then the story sounds a lot like one of my favourite series of military SF books called The Lost Fleet as well. Like the idea that. Um, you know, they all got destroyed and they have to like go home and then rebuild and then, you know, push out again and stuff like that. So it's very, very reminiscent of a, a series of books mm -hmm. I love. Uh, Jack Campbell is the author, just to give credit where it's due. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to go buy that. Yeah, so the, the actual, uh, yeah, it's like the Lightspeed edition is literally, since its release, they had, um, it was originally a Kickstarter project. It went into stream, uh, Steam, uh, Steam Greenlight. Um, and it's been going through several iterations, lots of improvements, lots of new content added, and the Lightspeed edition is literally the um, sort of comprehensive release now for the game. So it's only a tenner bargain, I reckon, for, yeah, for all you get. That. Definitely worth a shout. Sounds really, really good. My, definitely my kind of jam. Especially, it's the kind of game you want, you know, a PC game for PC gamers. I, I dig that, yeah. but those kind of games. Um, Richard. Man. For this will be the only time I ask you about this game, for I feel I have sent you more shit to review. Um, knock knock. Once again, once again, I saw this game and went, oh, "That looks cool. A little horror game, a little bit indie." Richard yeah. loves those sort of shit. He's gonna love this. It's gonna be great. So I sent it to you, and, and I feel bad because I, I, I believe you. I don't think you send me things I will hate on purpose. But <laughs> knock knock. It's not a joke, although it kind of is. No. Oh. Um, um, I'm playing knock knock at the moment. And it's ostensibly a horror game. That's what you told me it was. That's what I thought it was. Yeah. 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 It turns out it's more like um, Rayman sort of animation in a dark house. And in this house, lights turn off and you have to hold the A button for about 15 seconds. And then the light will come back on. All right, fine. Turn the light on. And then you go to the next room and turn the light on there as well. So it turns out you've got to turn lights on. Wow. Also, that's not it, all right? All right, okay. There's go doors on, between these rooms. Yeah. And some of those doors are locked. Shit. Now, you go to one of those doors and hold A for about 15 seconds. The door opens. So, which, right, which is great because then you can get to the next light and turn that on. <laughs> so, so let me get this right. The main interaction in this game is pushing and holding your button for fifteen seconds to either open a door or turn on a light. Yeah. 
What happens if you don't do that? If you don't do that, what happens is you stay in the game forever. Because there's this, <laughs> there's this mechanic where the, the more light you have, the easier it is for time to pass. And once you get to morning, then you're done. That's you good. And you can go into the next day and kind of do it again. And your house has changed shape. And it's kind of got this roguelike element to it where all the rooms are in a different order. There's different stuff in them. You're still just holding A for 15 seconds at a time. Um, but things move around each day. And the idea is that um, every day something more creepy might happen. There'll be a headless woman walking around. There'll be a doppelganger of you walking about. And if you touch them, then that means you go back to the beginning of that day. You've got to turn all the fucking lights on again. <laughs> it's, uh, it's really fucking boring. It's really boring. Up and and take I'm, my I'm, money. At the minute, I'm stuck on a bit where um, you're not just in the house. Um, you're in corridors within that house and then doors within that corridor. So really said you're, you're stuck. It's like there's like two things to do, isn't there? Turn the light on or open the door. How can you be stuck? No, it's, it's worse than that because it, as well, right? So it's not just like side on rooms, corridor bits, and you go into the corridor and then there's doors in that, and but you don't know where any of them lead. There's no indication that any of them have any meaningful exit or whatever. Um, the bit I'm on at the minute, if I go through any door that is closed, it takes me to another corridor with closed doors. If I go through a door that is open, it resets that entire day. So there's some puzzle or, or some shit, I don't know. But it's fucking boring. And I, d I don't know why I'm doing it, so I've given up now. All right. Five stars. Mic drop. <laughs> That's not um, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um. I think. I think we're 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 getting to the end of the podcast. Knock, knock, everyone out now. Yeah, we're not checking out. Um. I think we need to do a little bit of nostalgia to make us feel better, Richard. Yeah. Because, like you, I picked up Sonic Mania on the Nintendo Switch. Oh, and, beautiful. Um, and uh, it's taken me back to my childhood somewhat. I I, oh. I don't think I played like a huge amount of Sonic. Uh, I played a, a bit of Sonic uh, over the years when I was a kid growing up. I wasn't a massive gamer as a kid. I, I was into sports, and then I realized, why be physically active when you can sit on the couch and play video games? Um, you're never going to be quicker than Sonic anyway. So Exactly. Why? What's the point? It's futile, isn't it? You, you, yeah. You're not going to be that good. Um, so, so this game is pretty much like the, the, the Sonic experience that I... I mean everybody's wanted for the last sort of 15 20 years and yeah. we finally got it um it it's, is it's more like classic sonic now who don't remember sonic ever being good I'm like no it was good once really honestly yeah, see this see you this this now. is proof yeah um <laughs> but also this is more than that isn't it it's like it's like i, I remember doing i i did uh i was i've only started playing it last night i played some more today and um at the opening level, uh, what's yeah. it called? Green Hill Zone. Green Hill Zone. Yeah, it's it's an exact copy, isn't it? Of, of that it's first the same one. one. It's the same yeah. one. But then the second one is like uh, an interpretation of it with more modern twists. Yes. And then I did I did the Chemical Zone earlier as well. And it's like the first one's like this feels like classic Zone. And then in the second zone, you're like the second act of it, the zone is like, oh, hold on, let's put lots of like interesting little quirks and modernizations yeah. to that 
concept. Um, I, I it, it's really cool, man, and it, and it runs like butter. It's beautifully smooth, and it, well, it on looks. I'm playing on the Switch, and it's and it's gorgeous, and it's just. I'm playing it in handheld mode. Almost. I haven't played on the on the the console mode yet, and and it looks just feels good, man. It feels like feels like I'm playing on my Mega Drive, you know. It's it's yeah. uh, not my, um, my Game Gear, I should say. It's taking me yeah, back, yeah. and it's just like, oh man, remember when games were simple and you just had you did one thing with one button, you yeah. jump and attack, and that's it, and it's just one button, and you go fast, and it looks great, and it, I'm playing with Tails uh, at the moment, just like classic combo and. I'm really looking forward to seeing what the other the subsequent zones give me and how they, really they change things up and stuff. It's yeah, it's much bigger than I expected. There's like twelve different zones. Cheap as well. I was like, this is only like 15, 16 quid or something. You know, I was like, wow, why are they not? I mean, I was I was expecting it to be a like a, a if not full price, a more expensive game. And I was like, hmm. damn, this is this is. I have more of an affinity for Sonic than I did Mario. Um, growing up, for whatever reason, I, even though I had a SNES and stuff, I had a Mega Drive and thing. I think I played more Sonic than I did Mario. Just because he was way cooler. Yeah. Um, well, Mega Drive was my first console. I was always an uh, Atari ST kid. And then yeah. Dad came home one one day with a Mega Drive. and was like, there you go. Play Sonic. Well, thanks, Dad. Hey. hey. So, yeah, it, and the fa- it's so weird, right? You, know, you want to know a bit of a trivia, Richard? This yeah. was the 100th game to be released on the Nintendo Switch. Sonic. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, it feels. Yeah, it's weird. It does kind of cool, but weird. Playing a really good Sonic game on a Nintendo platform, it does. I, I'm betraying. I'm betraying someone, aren't I? <laughs> I'm, I'm sticking the knife in the back and twisting it, and I feel a little bit guilty. However, when it plays, it's great. I, don't I know. mean, I think it's the first Sonic game in a while that's not a betrayal. To be honest, I've got a question for you, Richard. As an achievement whore, yeah. back in the day, how'd you get over that? That slight pang of regret when you buy something on the Switch and you don't buy it on the Xbox, and it's like yeah. I don't get any achievements. Did you worry about that too? I did. Yeah, think about I, like, it. I, want, I want some so achievements, I thought, but handheld. Well, look, it's Sonic. You know. Yeah, you wanted. You wanted the the, the Switch is winning me over because of the handheld thing. That's what it. That's what it is. Yeah. And I thought, well, if, if what I'm going for here is to relive past glories of Sonic, if this is what we've been promised for the last 10, 15 years, Sonic backs to his roots. Not really fussed about achievements i just want a good sonic game yeah and the switch is definitely the platform to play it on because like you said you you mentioned game gear there i used to play a shit ton of sonic on game gear yeah time trials on green hill at one over and over and over another reason adam should be on this show because i did it around his nan's house all the time (laughs) Um, and just to be able to do that again on the switch it just feels so awesome I love it, Sonic. It does. There's something a little bit untangible. There. Are there good unlockables? Like, I, uh, there's a bunch of question marks and the extras I for me. And stuff and... I, it sounds. It seems like you've got to do quite a lot to unlock them because I have finished the game. Oh right. Um, I haven't yet done it with all the Chaos Emeralds, and you've got those. You know the checkpoint posts throughout yes. each act. Yes. If you hit one of those with 25 rings or more, then you go into a bonus stage. And completing those bonus stages awards you a little Sonic coin, either bronze or gold, depending on whether you get all Well, let me point table. out, I, I haven't done any of them yet because it turns out I really suck at Sonic. Um, <laughs> however, <laughs> I'm still enjoying myself. I'm yeah. still enjoying myself. Yeah, um, it's really tough. So I'm, I'm not sure whether I will be able to get those unlockables. So I'm not sure what they are yet. But the, the main game... I, I, I mean, I'm pretty sure we could both just Google it right now and find out. But yeah. there's something about it that makes me not want to do that. 
It's just like, I couldn't have done that 20 years ago. So why should I do that now? Yeah, I, I, I yeah. kind of just want to discover it. It's, yeah. it's a pretty pure gaming experience and there's a, there's a real joy to it. Um, Joel, do you not have the Sonic affinity, sir? I, used to, I had a Game Gear when I was a kid. Um, in fact, it was, my, uh, it was the portable console. I probably played the most, my Game Gear. Uh, that was... I love that one as a child. Uh, yeah, Sonic. I, I did. I do really like. Yeah, I do like Sonic, but I'm not actually really interested in Sonic Mania. You went into your own little world of childhood. I did. I I was transported back to me as a seven year old with my Game Gear, uh, dragging my mum's to Toys R Us to, to to try and persuade her to buy me something else for it. Columns, anybody? Just- Oh yeah. yeah, there we go. Just destroying batteries. Just yeah. destroying. Did you guys have the TV oh, yeah, tuner? I had the external yeah. battery pack, power pack oh, for it. That wow. gave you, I can't even remember, like an extra hour or two or something. 20, but 20 yeah, seconds. that color screen, all the different. Why are you bothered about Sonic Mania? What you were going to say then? Yeah, why is it not interesting? I don't know. I watched. I watched a couple of videos. Um, I've still got a Mega Drive. I've still got the Sonic games. I've played oh, them to death. And I, I just, you, you see, know, if I still had it, maybe I wouldn't. Like, if I still had those consoles and yeah. those games, like, I wish I'd hoarded like you had, but I've always been a trading person, like, where I've yeah. always move, used them as currency to move up the generation. So I've, I've kept very little from my childhood gaming. I regret that immensely. I really wish I'd been smarter about that. But, um, I don't think it's, Sonic it's Mania cool. is a rehash, though. No, it's not. It's surprisingly not. No, I agree. I agree with you. I watched. I watched. I've watched a few videos of it, and yeah, I can. I, I saw exactly what you say. The first level, kind of in each act, seems to be, um, you know, a, a, an exact recreation of the original level, and then they sort of gently evolve it out from that. And I saw that, you know, the bonus levels are exactly the same. They've just added an extra level of challenge um, to each one uh, that allows you to get this extra coin and stuff. And yeah, kind of. I just don't know. I, I just watched it, and I was just like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." I re- I remember that, but it I didn't. It didn't watch it with a, a sort of thought of like, "I need to go back and I need to get that game. I want to go back and play it immediately," kind of thing. So, I suppose Sonic doesn't have the the nuance Mario has. It, it's it's not about clever level design so much as it's about look at this fucking blistering speed. It was all about like speed, when, Sonic. The it kinetic. Was just, yeah just fervor of sonic he's there's something about the impulse you know to get from the left to the right to beat that level as quick as you possibly can with as few sort of deviations as you possibly can there is a real purity to that cool while you're doing it i mean the animation yeah. is always cool in sonic oh, and super they've cool. it, it isn't just the same animation they've just filled it with silky smooth frame mm-hmm. by frame loveliness it's perfect and the soundtracks as well. They've yeah. really beefed up the soundtrack from the classic. Well, that's another thing, isn't it? They they they, they, they right. start with those opening act soundtracks, and then they like modify it and twerk, yeah. twist it, and change it up in the in the subsequent acts and stuff. Yeah. So, and the bosses. A, really if the bosses match. weren't a big deal in old Sonic games, but they no, put a very ton different. of them in this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I really so have. I won't ruin it, but the end of um, Chemical Plant was particularly joyous. Have you got there yet? Oh. Um, I, yeah, that's the second. I've just finished that. Yeah, so that was who was that boss? Oh, yes, the the Poyo Poyo boss ah, fight. Yes, <laughs> I was not. Like I was it's not funny. expecting a Poyo Poyo boss fight. I was like, "What the fuck is this?" And then it, I sort of dawned on me what I was doing, and I was like, 
this is insane that's probably a yeah. huge spoiler i apologize to who i've just people i've just ruined that cool reveal for that's kind of why i said i'm not going to spoil it but and i've been drinking quite heavily uh throughout this podcast now we're approaching the second hour uh finishing i i am really quite how would i describe it half cut yes that that's a fair uh, explanation right so we're gonna we're gonna i think move here into the we have can I barely touched on hardly anything on our on our show notes here. We we really we've talked a lot about the news stories were really good this week, and we really got into them. So I think we've we've uh, done maybe a disservice to a lot of the the games we had listed a little bit. But um, I want to do a lightning round. Who's oh, up for a lightning round? What are I'm you going to say? I, I let me go first. There's one game I really actually wanted to talk to you guys about. Go Have on. any of you played the Swapper? Yes. About two or three years ago. Yeah, it's it's quite an old game, and I have no yeah. idea what like impulsed me to buy this on Xbox Marketplace. Well, you, and, you literally and, just bought it. Yeah, I like, bought it about three days ago, and I wow. played it, and I, I wow. truly found that an exceptionally great game. I thought it was yeah, a, incredible. The soundtrack, the atmosphere, like mm-hmm. uh, the puzzling as well. Very simple mechanic. The game itself is very simple, but this the the way the mechanic. Have you played it at all, Richard? Have you heard of this? No, I'm sure I've got it. I think this came out on. Maybe... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like it's oh, it's like 2013. This has been out yeah, on. Yeah. It's out on every platform. It's it's old news, but it's you know, God, it's uh, yeah, it's really good. I was just I was just interesting to hear other people's thoughts on it. It's it's basically um, so it's a futuristic set, sci-fi setting, and the main conceit is cloning yourself. Uh, is it not? Yeah, you know, you've got to you've got to wait for you can, your clients. Yeah. You can create a limited number of clones, about five or five of them, including yourself, and then you can swap between which clones, and and this forms the the basically how you solve puzzles and stuff. But also, um, when you're when you're trying to swap or create clones, time virtually slows to a halt, so you can kind of create clones and swap into them to keep yourself sort of from you know just hovering in the same bit over a gap while some uh, door opens really slowly and stuff. It's just. It's quite short. It's only a few hours long, but it, yeah, I just found it really atmospheric. Atmospheric, like I, you know, the soundtrack I thought was incredible that went along with it as well. It, really no, enjoyed it. It sounds a bit like Cloning Clyde off the 360. If you remember that, that was, not uh, not played that one. No, no, I can't say I know that one either. To be honest, Richard, I really want to hear from you. Uh, about Uncharted The Lost Legacy, because I am very much on the fence about this game. I, I, I keep seeing good things about it. However, I feel like I don't need more Uncharted in my life right now. Tell me why I do. Oh, you totally do. Do you remember when we finished Uncharted 4? And we were like, yeah, that's probably the right time to wrap it up because they've run out of ideas now. Fucking haven't, because <laughs> Uncharted Lost Legacy is not like Uncharted at all. Well, I say at all, it kind of is. I mean, the opening chapters are exactly what you'd expect, except you're a woman now. You'd play as Chloe instead of Nathan. Well, Nathan I was going to say, did Nathan turn into a woman? I was confused. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the opening chapters are exactly what you'd expect. Really good um, characterization, excellent mocap, gorgeous visuals. Um, really sets it up as a, another Uncharted game. And then a couple of hours in, it turns into this open world, almost Metal Gear Solid Five sort of setup. Oh, still looks as gorgeous as Uncharted ever did. And you think, well, of course it's going to do that. It's a game about exploration and finding treasure. Why wouldn't it be in an open environment? And I'm, I'm not because I'm not saying it's like Zelda. It's not like that. It's more, more, more restrictive than Zelda, but more, more world of Madagascar was in Uncharted Four. More than that, yes. More than that, okay. 
Yeah, in the sense that you can go where you like and do things in different order. Oh, okay. Um, wow. wow. And that just feels so natural. Tem like... Template template for Last of Us 2, maybe. Whoa, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Because I'm not that far in, and I'm wondering how this will impact the narrative direction of the game. It is just an add-on sort of expansion thing isn't it rather than a full installment in its own right well so i mean it, it was doesn't have to live up to the the scale of something like uncharted 4 and maybe this open world thing is a way of getting around the investment that it takes to build something like that maybe it's less ambitious in in that respect but it feels like it's moved on from the uncharted template and offers you more of what the game is supposed to be about it's supposed to be about exploration for once mm. you finally can and it's not just about finding the white ledge that you go to next you know um so if you're half interested in uncharted i think it is worth a go it's not even full price is it so I would 30 quid yeah i believe yes uh i i most certainly will pick it. it's the first uncharted i've not grabbed straight away at release um just because I felt like I was kind of, yeah. I mean, do you remember, guys, when we talk about Game of the Year, how I forced myself to go back like months later to finish off Uncharted 4? Mm. Um, so I was I was definitely at the end of my interest with that. Um, however, the idea is different characters and you're telling me there's a slightly different like gameplay mechanic to it. Yeah, that does that does freshen my interest a little bit about it, I have to say. Uh, and I also need to check out, though, I haven't picked up um, Hellblade yet. Uh, I need to do oh. that as well. Yep, I'm on that event as well. I need to buy it raving about that last mm. time uh, a couple of weeks ago so i definitely need to give that a go as well and it's, i like this i would say go for hellblade first oh really interesting okay and, and i love this only, these, because, these kind only of... because it's newer isn't it i mean uncharted yeah it does add fresh things but mm. it's still uncharted so um i mean it, I, I think it's uh i think it's cool that these these sort of smaller experiences at 30 pounds on playstation I, i'm digging this you know this price point and and you know but yet the triple a production value is there as well mm. you know that's that's really cool um i think we'll just me and me and richard here we've got a couple of little bits but we both i think capitalized on the season pass dlc sale that happened on xbox in the last couple of weeks uh, i and i picked up um the season pass for ghost recon wildlands and uh, i picked it up for the battlefield one and uh, i want to mention battlefield one predominantly because i got the premium pass for that and holy god damn that game is amazingly good like the the new content they put in with uh they shall not pass and we've got the name of the czar still to come and yet and still two more big dlc drops after that and they've mm. just brought out this battlefield i think it's called Re battlefield one revolution or something like that that's the that's the game and the premium uh, pass, all for the price of like a full price game, uh, and that's just that came out of the back of Gamescom, um, and that I think would be amazing value if you hadn't already invested in Battlefield One. I will remind people I gave this I think five stars last year. Battlefield One is a fantastically good game, uh, and the DLC stuff they offer uh, is brilliant. The new maps are amazing. It still looks stunning. The three of us need to play it. We still haven't achieved that, mm -hmm. guys. We need to no, get on we together and play some Battlefield. Especially with two of us having premium. I know. I, I could leech off either of you now. That's yeah. you, like, you really could. It really need to try that out. Yeah. I love that game. I, I, I played it so much at launch. I just haven't... You uh, did, yeah. but I, remember, I remember talking about a game a year, and you didn't even realise there was 32 on 32 fucking multiplayer. Yeah, no, we... I, <laughs> <laughs> my hands like up. Well, my hands you, up. You, you'd only done operations. And I'm like, no, mate. Get into the big shit. 
It's all about conquest, bro. Oh, I love, you know, yeah, that's... I hold my hands up. I did get that wrong. It's, it's cool. It's cool. We need to. We need to. Break I spent so much time dead. I didn't really get the chance to count the amount of <laughs> people on the server. I guess, but uh, yeah, that's it. I love that game. So it's just I haven't gone back to it in ages. And where and where are you at, Richard, with the division? And we need to play some of the division now. You picked the season pass off of that. Are you still enjoying it, or are you are you bouncing off of it? No, where are you? At? I am enjoying it. Yeah. Um... I did pick up the season pass, but I'm not so far in that I've actually used any of that stuff yet because um, I'm still getting up to the basic uh, level cap of 30, isn't it? 23 I'm at, and I was, yeah, at, I was at 13 when I started it. I have to get in the season pass last week. so You might eventually join my very high gear score and being able to actually play with me. Getting close. I don't think it will take too long for me to get that last seven levels done and then I can get properly into it. Because Division's another one that's getting a proper 4K upgrade for for the X. Really? Holy sh- I didn't see that. That will look fucking mind-blowing on a 4K I TV. I know. I know it will. Holy Christ, that will look good. So long-term um, investment, this one. I think, I think it's around for the long term. So, so well, well, no. I, I suspect we'll have the two Division 2 end of next year, but if you say so, boss. Um, yeah, I... Uh, off the back of you picking up the season pass, I downloaded it again after removing it from my console a few months ago, uh, and I logged in and opened a whole shit ton of crates. Um, I had a loads of, for whatever reason, maybe because I'm a long-term player or whatever, but I had a massive amount of their like unlockable crates that they've just brought in with this new patch, and uh, I got like weird coloured backpacks and yeah, gun skins them. and things. Yes. Sure, yeah. why not? Everybody loves oh, premium crates. Good. Yeah, I like them. Yeah, they do look good. Yeah, there's some there's some nice cosmetic stuff in there now. Um, cool to see. I mean, basically what it looks to me like, the Division has become um, this sort of testing ground for them, um, mm. where they've been experimenting and evolving the Division formula. So yeah. I suspect when Division 2 rolls around, it will be a neater, easier to understand package, because right now, the Division is a bit of a mess. It's quite hard to actually understand... What's did, what yeah. and how I things have, interact with what and there's I so many fully get it yet. I mean, I, yeah, I suppose until you get to level thirty, you don't want to try and understand every aspect. I, I honestly don't know. Relevant until you I'm not. Around. I'm not sure it's made very clear how even when you get there because because there's so much of it's been added post the the sort of the systems that that they're not really in place to tutorialize it. I don't believe, but no. We will we will see. Mm. We'll have to play some of that as well. Joel, did you not ever get in on the division? No, I've got it. I've got the season pass and things. I just oh, couldn't right. get into. I completed the entire game. I hit level thirty. I tried some of the raids. The raids just weren't fun. They were just the incursions, I believe. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah, they call them incursions, but they're essentially just raids. Um, no, they're not as they're not as, as a raid. Really. Yeah, they were yeah, just yeah. more like were, strike. Yeah, more like strike. Balls hard and not fun. I, mm. I just couldn't get into them and stuff like um when was the last time you tried to give it a shake because boy is it different i, I haven't played it uh, since long before dlc came out i had a oh, we had, wow. we had, i had a couple of division land parties where we uh, friends came over and we we ground the game we played it all through co-op did most of the missions went through those and the harder difficulties and stuff gold starred all those and just tried some of the incursions and stuff but yeah you know did virtually everything the content wise the original game had except these incursions that we just couldn't get you know, they were too tough. They, the difficulty curve was just such a spike. It was just this, a lot this of is that. crazy. The, you've not mm. played it since the introduction of Gear Score then and all that kind of stuff. And uh, 
a lot of that has definitely you know helped take off the edges for those sort of difficulty spikes um it's definitely more pro- approachable a, a lot of the end game stuff now um yeah i think yeah again because it's a division is three man squads four man squads four i, I think four we played squads. it we played it four player yeah and then there was the underground DLC and the survival DLC, which are both pretty good. Um, survival, especially, is very is really good. It's like uh, puts a whole new spin on on the way you play it, which is pretty good fun. You can play that PVE or PVP. Um, yeah, division division is uh, I think one of the coolest things that's come out. But I can't wait for the sequel. That's that's they formally announced that now. I can't remember. Nope. No. Nope. No. Inevitable though, but no. Yeah, I'm sure it is. It's gonna happen. I reckon it'll be Assassin's Creed Division. Assassin's Creed Division. Is my is my theory uh, how they're going to play that? You so oh, and a little bit of sprinkling of Far Cry as well. Why not? Because they I'm all have the same. I'm surprised how much I like it because I really was turned off by it at launch. So hmm. I'm, I'm I'm late to it, but I'm enjoying it at the moment. I mean, I <laughs> I went back to Ghost Recon Wildlands and Homefront: The Revolution, uh, but maybe I'll save that for another time <laughs> <laughs> because um, yeah, Ghost Recon's still good, not great, still good, and Homefront is a game. But at that, we will wrap up BXB Bits and Bobs, episode 30, because we've actually run a little over two hours now, and I think that's time to bring this puppy to a close. This has been a really good episode, guys. I've really enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed hanging out with you this week and talking through all the news and all the games we've been playing. It's been fabulous. Oh, Ben. I love you too. I Yay. love you guys. Let's get the love in. I've had a few drinks. I'm feeling friendly. It's just it's like a about- night down the pub, isn't it? <laughs> well you know when we have a night down the pub Joel I always get the candles um, I try and make it as romantic as possible it, it was very romantic you even had bread and stuff that's good um, so you can find me at DIYE on Twitter you can find Richard at Colonel Red on Twitter you can find Joel at he doesn't have a social media profile on no, I'm, I'm, I've got a low profile that's what I've got it's probably for the best um yeah you can find the site is at bxb games on twitter it is bxb games on facebook it is bxb games on youtube it might actually just be bxb on youtube but i can't remember now uh please find us on itunes rate review do all that it helps with our exposure helps with us to continue bringing this fun crazy anarchic content that we love creating for you guys so much and uh yeah check out all the video reviews or the written reviews check out the reviews by the other contributors though they are few and far between right now but you know they're, they're popping up occasionally uh and yeah that's kind of the show i hope you've enjoyed it we'll be back probably ne- i'll be back next week with a, a bonus babble probably maybe i don't know i'll see what i feel like and uh we'll be back in two weeks with another bits and bobs episode 31 the games are starting to appear guys so things are gonna get busy busy one next week isn't it uh, sorry next time yeah will it be destiny yeah. Oh, Mario, um, Mario plus Rabbids, Destiny. Oh, yeah. There's a, there's a whole Destiny, lot of stuff coming out. Uh, September, September, yeah. I, I might, maybe we'll delay next time because I'm going to not be able to play until the weekend and fuck you, that's more important than doing a podcast. Um, so, <laughs> sorry, just FYI. Um, we'll see what happens, but we'll be back soon. We'll be back soon with how amazing Destiny 2 is. So, until then, goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.